right. All right. Good morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater podcast number 51. Uh, we got a, a fun podcast for you today. So uh, this is a we're, we're coming to you off the cuff today. It's a pretty impromptu podcast. The topic today is DNF Duel. Uh, so that, that's a, a new uh, fighting game uh, that they just did the beta for. And uh, several of um, you know our, our members here at the Art Eater podcast uh, have actually played the game. So uh, yeah, we're, we're coming to you with our, our fresh impressions there. So um, uh, first, a quick round of introductions. Uh, I'm, I'm your host, Richmond. Um, you know, I, I have not actually played the game. Uh, I've just been admiring it from afar. I think it's got really cool uh, art behind it. Um, so I, I can comment on the artistry and give you some context for it, but I haven't actually played it myself. Uh, what about you, Sean? Uh, and I'm Sean. Uh, usually here at the podcasts. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I have also just been admiring it from afar. I, I have not had time to down and it or play it and I'm not very good at fighting games. So I usually wait for, um, other more talented people to figure out the game before I jump in. <laughs> All right. What about you, James, our, our, our fighting yep. game expert? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is me. I, I am James. I am the in quotations, resident uh, fighting game expert here at Art Eater. Uh, I am a illustrator, storyboard artist, and uh, I took some time to play the DNF Duel as well as the KOF 15 beta. So I uh, got a lot of words, a lot of positive things to say about my experiences so far. Okay. Hey, everyone. And uh, Thomas? It's Thomas, your favorite French developer here. Um... I played DNF Duel like one hour ago. Uh, it was quite a mess, uh, a lot of disconnect, but that's what betas are for, <laughs> I would say. Uh, I quite enjoyed the game, so I'm quite happy we're talking about it in a very improvised <laughs> way today. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're, we're shooting off the cuff, everybody, yeah. today. So yeah, what's up? It's Adam, uh, pleased to be here once again, as always. Uh, it's your favorite game and level designer, pixel artist, and also international taekwondo fighter. So naturally, you know, I've got to come in and talk about fighting in actual games because it's, it's just what we do over here. But yeah, um, I'll retweet and share all kinds of cool art and great projects I see on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me over there at Adrian Mattis. So let's get into it. Love to see it. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about DNF Duel. So for a lot of people, this game seems to have come out of nowhere, right? It's it's a new uh, fighting game uh, developed by, uh, I think, a combination of Arc System Works uh, and Aiding. So yeah, obviously everyone yeah. listening to this knows Arc System Works from uh, the developers of Guilty Gear and also anime fighters like uh, uh, Dragon Ball, um, uh, uh, the Dragon Ball fighting game. And uh, you know they, they also did Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, um, and then aiding, uh, you know, if, if, if you're a hardcore into fighting games, uh, they, they've developed lots of uh, like niche uh, hits. Like, for instance, uh, Tatsunoko versus Capcom, right? That, that, that yes. was aiding. It's mm -hmm. yeah, a wonderful game. game. And the yeah. best fighting uh, game of the last 10 years, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom <laughs> 3. The, <laughs> the game of Bold this statement. 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The okay, best so, fighting so, game so, Capcom made right, right. in the last 10 years. Right. So, yeah. so this game has an interesting pedigree. Um, and I think they announced it almost exactly a year ago. Uh, yep. Last December, just dropped yes, out of nowhere. And, and, and people were like, what the heck is this? This, this crazy weapons-based anime fighter kind of looks like Guilty Gear, but like more, more fantasy looking. Um, 
Uh, so uh, real quick, just to give you some context, it, it is a licensed uh, fighting game. It's, it's not a totally original franchise. Um, it's based off of a very long-running MMO called uh, Dungeon Fighter Online, or uh, originally called Dungeon and Fighter, uh, which is what the acronym DNF comes from. Uh, w w that's what they call it in South Korea. So um, Dungeon Fighter Online, or, or Dungeon and Fighter DNF, um, it's an MMO developed by uh, Neopol, um, and they were a subsidiary of Nexon, so you know, major South Korean a game developer. And uh, I, I like to say it's probably the most famous game that uh, people in the Anglosphere don't know about, because um, it's actually really quietly one of the most successful games and multimedia franchises ever. Like a lot of people are, are, are surprised to find that it's actually the most popular MMO ever. Uh, that it's it, it actually surpassed uh, World of Warcraft in terms of uh, uh, total number of players and revenue. Uh, it's got um, 700 million players worldwide um, and has grossed over 15 billion in uh, lifetime res revenue. So I it's, it's pretty add, nuts. Uh, I wanted to add like that this this thing around like especially like Western game developers talking about like mm -hmm. AAA titles. Uh, it's not until you start getting into especially like uh, Chinese and Korean and Japanese yep. development from going into the, the East that you start to realize that uh, America and Europe are not the big the big bads that they think they are in terms of how many people play games. This is one of the first ones you learn about when you're like like when I was like at Blizzard when we were starting to look at stuff. So yeah, you start hearing about all these games that like I mean Richmond's being like oh it's a little it's like a little bigger than WoW it's the first one whatever. These are to be honest with you staggeringly larger than games like WoW, even though, like, you know, to, to the point, like, most people in the Western audiences may have not heard of these franchises. So um, yeah. it is not to be scoffed at at all. Uh, it's yep. quite large player bases. No, yeah. absolutely. And, and Sean, Sean used to work for Blizzard, so he knows yes. what he's talking about. <laughs> he, ha and I, he has the numbers. He has the numbers. <laughs> yeah, he, he actually has the frame data. He's, yeah, he's legit, yeah. man. Mm -hmm. and, and I also work specifically on our our um, a lot of our games that we're introducing in China and uh, Korea and stuff like that. So um, okay, yeah. so you guys actually, I mean, obviously, you must have studied because this this game was ridiculously successful in in Asia. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, well, well, part of why I know so much about it is because I was I worked a lot on Diablo Immortal, which still isn't out, but uh, a big part of that is you know uh, one of one of the like the the developer of course is NetEase and. Uh, mm -hmm. working on like it was a, a, a like uh, interesting tidbit of, about this is like so most of the way that like Blizzard develops games is basically um, the what's called the uh, the rest of world model which is what a lot of Western developers do which is that not surprisingly they develop a game for America and Europe um, effectively called rest of world and then they kind of do a uh, like Korean Japanese like a CJK like Chinese Japanese Korean one kind of after the fact like I know that's mm -hmm. that's contrary to popular belief, where people like people will be like, "Oh yeah, Blizzard does all this stuff for China," but in reality, they develop most of their games America, Europe first, and then convert it. Uh, Diablo Immortal was one of the first ones where they did the reverse, where they actually developed it uh, for uh, Eastern audiences first, and then converted it uh, over to rest of world. So there was a lot of flipping of the model. So. Um, <laughs> For instance, uh, DNF comes up quite a bit. A lot of Tencent games come up quite a bit. But like I said, mm. you 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 learn to humble yourself very quickly, even even as Blizzard being like, oh, these like, especially working with a company like NetEase, uh, where they're, you know, they're going up against Tencent and stuff like that. Like the 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 player bases for these games, like 
it's almost like a, you think you know what a popular game looks like. If you live in the West, you don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so Dungeon Fighter Online, or uh, DNF, uh, the, the MMO, we haven't gotten to the fighting game yet, but um, it's really interesting. It, it's actually like a 2D uh, perspective. And um, I, I assume that it probably was very inspired by uh, Capcom's uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, beat-em-up from way back in the day. Absolutely. Uh, because, yeah, it, it's a 2D beat-em-up with RPG uh, mechanics. And, and the graphics are really, really similar to that game. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just really interesting to think that a sprite-based uh, 2D uh, you know, beat 'em up MMO is is actually one of the most popular games ever because because for the longest time, uh, people you know, there's so much discussion of like, oh, 2D games are dead, or you know, blah blah blah, and it's like, whoa, no, like this game is super duper popular. Um, yeah. So so, anyways, that that's that's the context. It's it's one of the biggest games in the world outside of um, the West, uh, and then now they're they're dropping this fighting game. So um, it's it's actually a huge, tremendous franchise. And uh, yeah, yeah. So the beta just happened. <laughs> so let's let's get into it. Let's get into so it. So one thing I want to always say before anybody talks about a beta is it's really important to remember it's a beta. Uh, basically, companies are putting these out to test or stress test certain aspects of games, uh, be it online connection. Uh, overall functionality of the game, like switching between options, making sure sounds work. So you do run into some issues sometimes when you're trying to access a beta, play a match or, or anything like that. So, you know, just know that when the game is done, a lot of these things typically are resolved. And the whole point of them discovering it is through a beta. So one of the things that really came out very quickly with DNF was that the first day, the game wasn't working too well. Um, people were having trouble getting in rooms and stuff like that. Um, this is typical for any beta. It doesn't matter what company it is. It, it happens. Uh, but once you get past that, uh, you actually tend to have fun with the game that they intend for you to play. So just bear that in mind. If you know you hear anybody talking about these particular issues or if we're talking about these particular issues, more than likely, when the game is released, uh, a lot of those things will be resolved. Because um, I know that uh, Thomas had a lot of problems getting connected at first. Is that right? Yeah, it was quite difficult. And even after the um, the after a while, I was still disconnected a lot. Like uh, bring back, bring back to the to the home screen, because mm -hmm. my session inside the beta was killed. So it was a it was a wild ride <laughs> at the start, but after after a while, I suppose you are higher in the queue and you're not get you don't get disconnected as enough uh, as yeah. much as before. And the the other thing I wanted to bring up is that the DNF um like social media for DNF Duel were very quick to respond on a global level, making sure that people understood that they knew that the beta was experiencing issues, that they were addressing them, um, even told people, hey, look, you can't play online, but maybe you can play like another mode until we fix this. And the turnaround on it was fairly quick. Uh, yep. You know, a lot of people were able to get into the beta within like the later portion of the day and the next day. So um, if anybody's watching this and they've had issues with getting in the beta, just know that they are actively working on it typically i don't know if this is going to be the case with this one but typically whenever there's like 
uh, staggering issues with beta access. They usually extend the beta period. So um, if something else comes up, just know that they're probably going to give more time for people to play. Um, But other than that, uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, we can actually talk about this game. Um, What's super strange about the game first, if I may, is that the game is scheduled to, to be launched in 2022, but in the summer of 2022. And it's like in six to eight months and it seems like yeah. it's very early to do a, a beta test an online beta testing so i don't know what's going on in the studio if they wanted to if maybe you know they they thought that the game will have a small beta and small success or things like that and they didn't realize that um, people are are hungry for new fighting games <laughs> but i think they think that the beta was supposed to be, you know, way more niche and way more confidential. That that it, and uh, well, it happened that there were a lot of people playing it. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, maybe it was just you know a run test to say, okay, did we make it okay? And we have to try it, and then we continue making the game with the, all the feedback we've got. Because if you look at all other betas, the beta are made like two or three months or one month before the game as a final balancing act uh, for, you know, online issues and things like that. And we are way, way, way farther, farther than, the, the, um, than for other games. So I'm surprised. I'm really surprised it, about this. It is, be, it is becoming more common to use betas as a way to gauge interest as well. Like to your point, like this might be the way for them to figure out how how much do we really need to prepare our servers and uh, our netcode? <laughs> like, let's do yeah. a little test and it, like, because uh, I've seen uh, a lot of different studios be like, oh yeah, we'll release this in New Zealand and no one will notice, and they underestimate the <laughs> yeah. slu- the sleuthiness of the gaming community. So it, it's possible that at least from a publishing perspective, they're using this to kind of gauge how much interest is there. And I think to your point, right off the heels of. Uh, stride uh um being in like the game of the year running and all that kind of stuff or, or winning it rather <laughs> uh maybe the, the hunger for fighting games is a little higher than what people are expecting Mm-mm. well absolutely yeah. we're, we're in another fighting games boom at the moment currently there, there are so many that have been you know just released even just over the past year two years but also like in terms of that the the processes through which like things like rollback netcode have like you know opened up the the field of play for so many different people or even for example with regards to things for example in like the smash community talking about like project slippy like that you know like uh, always you know reinvigorating and revitalizing revitalizing uh, people's uh, expectations and allowing other people from all over the world to play together again like so much of this is sort of you know hit at the perfect time we're seeing lots of fighting game influences such as you know maximilian for example he's ranked among like what was it He's in like the top 30, uh, quite high up in the top 30, like most watched and most, uh, you know, like subscribed to like Twitch people like of, ever of all time now, basically. Wow. So like someone from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, there, there was a listing that came out. So all you also uses the amazing equipment from NZXT. Just put it out there. Yeah, yeah. I was just, <laughs> just going right to segue into that later. Well. Yeah, I was going to segue, segue into that later. But yeah, that is true. That is true. Yes, he does. If, uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> eventual friend of the show, Max. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah. One of one of the things which I wanted to say there was just the fact that like we have so many people now 
who go online and they're seeing people like Max, they're seeing people like Sadram, they're seeing people like Coefficient, they're seeing people like uh, Lord Knight, like uh, like Tasty Steve, like so many people out there who've been playing games for ages and ages. JM Crofts, like you can go online, you can you can go online, you can go onto on YouTube and you can find so much information, wells and wellsprings of information about fighting games, about new ones that are coming out, about ones that have just come out, about so many different areas of this, you know, wonderful, you know, slice of the internet and slice of a of games culture and i think that like the uh, the nucleus of that it's always going to be community and connectivity and the the exponential growth regarding this is just it, it's always come from a social social media to be able to expand upon that so what we're seeing right now is is a the, the sort of perfect storm if you will of a of social media sort of like influencer you know passing on information because you know like max will upload a video and it'll get like 10k views in like half an hour do you know what i mean and so like whenever he's talking about anything anything to do with any fighting game or whatever there'll be a slice of you know the world that will be interested in it just because he's interested in it and people who've never or who had never heard of dnf before who hadn't you know really really taken a prior interest as soon as they see him play it, as soon as they see like i said like a, a sejan player as soon as they see a steve player a jm crafts whoever they whoever they like most whoever they are interested in most whenever they see them play it they'll want to hop in on it too and the fact that the beta has just come out and the fact that it was quite you know um it was quite easy to access there was a cross play available i do believe as well one of my what my my best friend rochelle he even randomly funnily enough got to play uh woolly he got to play woolly uh on his oh um, nice uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He actually got to play yeah, Woolly versus. For those who don't know, there was a really cool channel called The Super Best Friends. There were these three guys who used to make really cool, like, and interesting games videos. One of those guys was called Woolly, and now he has his own channel called Woolly versus. He does a lot of fighting games based content. If you're interested in that, go check him out. But yeah, he was he was streaming, and we were both watching at the same time whilst we were playing with each other, whilst we were just having fun. And then we were searching for different rooms, and then we saw Shout of Earth like listed online, which is Woolly's, you know, like name and what it is that he used, utilizes whenever he's playing online. So he hopped in there, and then, yeah, he got to actually, you know, play uh, Wooly for a bit. He took a took a game off him, took some rounds off him, was good. Nice. Which is the fact that, like, yeah, just the fact that like, you get to do that now. The fact that it's so easy to access your favorite sort of, like, uh, content creators and fighting games, stuff like that, and you can sort of hop into the community and just have fun. Like, that is why this is going to do so well. And that is why it's already sort of, you know, it's why so many people are playing it because they've heard about it. They wanted to see what what the what all the fuss is about. And it's relatively easy to access. The only things that have been a bit rough regarding it, obviously, as we've mentioned before, were some of the connectivity problems or, or even for myself, um, I had a bit of an issue, well, a bit of an issue. I had quite a bit of an issue uh, regarding how to, you know, get into the rooms that I wanted that I wanted to get into with my friend. So, for example, we would try and find because because there there isn't there isn't a, a player finder in in the in the game at the moment. So, if two people are trying to play together you'd have to find like each other almost at random in, in a random room. So we did that. So, so we spent like about like 45 minutes to an hour, maybe even an hour and 20 minutes, like collectively just like, you know, like reloading the room, lo the, the lobby loading screens to see if we could find the same lobbies. And a few times we actually did, we found the same lobbies and we walked in and we got in there together. But sometimes either someone would have it set to have just one cabinet available and two people would be playing on it or the lobby would just like explode as soon as we got in there. So we just had to, you know, bite our tongues, so to speak, and just uh, keep trying, keep trying. But eventually, we made it work. And then we, yeah, once we, once we were playing like together, 
it was a very good experience. It wasn't too laggy, like it wasn't too much of, of a frame issue experience. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So okay. yeah, to just just to, just to preface off of that, just to give people okay, a okay. wider idea. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's let's talk about the game. I want to hear your impressions of the the gameplay, the art, you know, everything. Let's let's hear it. So the 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 one thing I wanted to say is like. <laughs> The more that I look at this game and the more that I like experience it visually, uh, it, it, it makes Arxis kind of feel like they're visually magicians. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can put anything into the Arxis, Arxis framework and it's beautiful. It's, that, that's yeah, abuse. It, that's abuse. <laughs> it's so... It's it's almost like frustrating how beautiful the game is because when Grand Blue came out, I was already like, oh my gosh, wow, this is amazing, and a lot of people were like, well, it seems like they only use keyframes. I don't know if I like that, blah, blah, blah. but it was still a beautiful game. And then DNF Duel shows itself, and DNF Duel, it, it at times it literally just looks like Korean animation happening on your screen. Like, it yep, doesn't yep, even yep, yep. look like, uh, oh, this is the Arxis way that we just do <laughs> everything. It's like, no, let's figure out the nuance of how these characters should move that fits in a style that's conducive to Dungeon Fighter. Mm -hmm. So the game, like, at times, it looks like a Korean animation studio made fake animation for a fighting game in an animated project that they wanted you to look at. So it looks that good. Like, it almost looks it's almost unplayable in your head because you're like, this looks too good for me to actually manipulate and move. So uh, it's really beautiful. Like I can't stress that any more than that. Like it's just, it's, it's one of the most beautiful games that Arxis has done. Um, wow. Now in terms of gameplay, uh, there is a lot here that I didn't expect um, just because the, the inputs are slightly simplified, um, which obviously is for more, for more accessibility. They are um, completely simplified, James. Be, but be honest, well, it's completely simplified. <laughs> yeah, but there's 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 some fighting game motions in there. Like yeah, there's, there's, there there's some stuff just two to one do. Fours, two, two three sixes. Yeah, there's some two three sixes and mm. there's some two one fours. So I mean, it's it's not as simplified as I thought it would be. Um, one of the things I thought was super interesting was uh, the way that you string combos and stuff together was I thought was going to be rather linear when there's actually some versatility that's similar to uh undernight um i don't know if you know some people may or may not know about undernight but it's a fighting game that allows you to chain moves together in a specific order that is established but then you can actually reverse that order so you can become what, what a is called the the reverse, reverse beat. beat. It yeah, that's right. the that's a mechanic from the from um, uh, French bread, French so bread. The, the the creators of Melty Blood and uh, and Undernight. But and if you only played Dragon Ball Fighter Z, you know when you have uh, Adult Gohan going level five or level seven, depending on the version of the game, and suddenly you can switch buttons mm -hmm. in all the directions and all. That's the same thing, basically. Right. Yeah. That's a really good way to to put it. So I was really surprised that you were able to uh, be creative in that way in terms of creating combos, but also like pressure uh, when your opponent is blocking. Um, so I was like, wow, wait a minute. Like, this game actually allows uh, a specific type of expression that I wasn't expecting uh, from a game like this. So I think it sets a particular precedent that 
if a company cares enough and works hard enough to uh, design a game to allow for complexity uh, while still giving some level of accessibility, there is a, a particular middle ground that can be met. Mm. And it's not going to please everybody, but I think that the more that you see things like this, it it creates a an environment where a newer player can jump on and kind of mess around with buttons and make that decision for themselves of whether or not they want to understand more intricate aspects of the game and have fun that way, or if they just want to kind of keep it at a casual level. So both, like multiple parties can be satisfied on paper in that regard. And I think seeing the game function the way that it is right now, at least in this beta, um, I'm surprised at what it allows people to do. Um, I'm just going to, you know, throw the cat out of the bag here. Uh, There are infinites. Um, they're beautiful. They're glorious. They are degenerate. They're great. <laughs> um, and and oh, I say yeah. this from the perspective that uh, typically with a game like this and you want accessibility, balance becomes a bigger word than it needs to be. And it becomes a thing that almost it has the right intention, but then it sort of dilutes the dynamism of a game in certain aspects. So the fact that this game allows the type of expression that it's allowing right now is super surprising. Uh, you probably can find all types of random Twitter uh, clips of combos. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is most of these combos are actually practical. Like, like they're not like, you know, training mode only types of things. Like these are things that you can actually do in a match and they're all uh, practical. So the fact that this type of expression is allowed in this game right now is refreshing. Um, and it's super beautiful and it has rollback. So it's like, okay. yeah, you know, this yeah. is, okay, this is let's, a game uh... Anybody can get into it. One of the things that I noticed first, my first impression was, oh my God, people really like the striker character. <laughs> because yep. she, yeah. she was everywhere. And she's like a buff lady with muscles, big boobs, and, uh, and uh, she breaks your guard and is always in your face. So I suppose it was... Um... But yeah, the people really like her. So <laughs> like half of my matches were playing against her. So, yeah, the the power of waifus is is strong in this game too. Very strong, uh, very always strong. powerful. And, that's, that's, uh, a, that's a currency right there. Yeah, <laughs> and just as <laughs> well, the other thing said, too, a lot of the other thing I was going to say was yeah. oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was going to say the the game as a as a I don't know about you guys, but I feel that there's a a smell in this game, the smell of the games. <laughs> smells a bit like the the, the kusoge game, the kusoge game, you know what? Kusoge in Japanese, kusoge game is a is a shitty game, like broken but fun game, you know. And that's what uh, I was we've kind seen, of into. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. seen things. Yeah. Uh, we've played the game, and we've seen things. And you, I, I was thinking, like, is this game made by Aiting or is this game made by Arc System Works? You know. This game is definitely made by aging because that's, that's not a game that Arc System Works will do. There's no Daisuke vision inside this. It's 100% no. to no, do the aging this. Please elaborate uh, on that, okay. the difference between an 18 game and an Arc System Works game, because I, I well, was really curious about that, seeing both of the, well, their names on, on it. Okay, if you, if, you, if, you look, if you look at it more closely, 
Arc System Works released Kusoge games. You know, they, they, they made the oh, uh, Fist of the yeah. North Star, uh, they made uh, Basara, oh, and in some aspects, yeah. even uh, Persona 4 Ultimax is, on some aspects, a very Kusoge game. You know? Oh, no, that yeah. game definitely. Also, the Sailor Moon. Sailor yeah. Moon, the alternate, and, like, punishing <laughs> Kusoge. And so, game, what yeah. is a Kusoge? A Kusoge is a game that is fundamentally broken, but very fun to play. And so, uh, so it's a shitty game you enjoy to play. It's like the, um, the, the this uh, I don't know the, the, if there's a name in English for this, but you know those terrible movies that you watch for fun with friends and you laugh at them and oh. uh, like uh, the attack mm -hmm. of uh, you know killer tomatoes or things or I don't know like uh, <laughs> the American Ninja series or. Oh, I don't know Star yeah, Wars films you, like Star Crash. You know those kind of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, okay, the yeah. word for that is called it's it's schlocky. That's what that, that's what that okay. is. Okay, in like, French we call yeah. we call them nanar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so you know that's the same spirit. You know you you know what you're playing isn't the top notch the thing, yeah. but oh my god, it's good. <laughs> and uh, so there's there's this flavor inside, and it. It translates into DNF with combos that are super broken. Like, for example, you repeat the same button like seven times and it works and it makes huge damage. Or you, I don't know, you take a character, you press a button plus a direction and suddenly there's a giant wheel of fire in the face of your opponent yes. and you can't see anything. Or I don't know, like the, the the striker we were talking about, the lady uh, making doing martial arts, she dives kick in mm -hmm. your face. So like, okay, in normal games, you know, a dive kick puts you back to neutral. But <laughs> in this game, no, 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 she's completely positive, you know. And the the a friend just told me like minutes ago, oh my god, this game, it's like Breaker's Revenge. And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> that's completely the feeling is you play your playing show in Breaker's Revenge, you know? Yes. Like yeah. everything is, is positive. Everything seems broken. Everything allows you to be creative. It's easy to do combos like you're doing like a low, low, short, low, short, low, medium. Everything combos in, into each other without you timing, um, using a specific timing. And it just works and it's fun and it's stupid. I don't know if it if you know at high level it's going to stay fun because sometimes some games the higher level you play the less fun you have like marvel vs capcom 3 is a bit like that you you can die just by your character entering the ground at high level you know and the whole game becomes can i block the right way so i don't die when i come in you know and so the mm -hmm. end of the feels a bit like that but that's what's funny is that it's uh it feels like a kusoge but that looks like a top mint project <laughs> that looks like well, what's interesting though is that i think that for some reason uh the kusoge factor won't be it won't be as much of a deterrent because i think on some level, people will still feel like they do something. And I think mm -hmm. that is probably... Because, I mean, if you think about it, right? Like, Ultimate Marvel 3 is a Kusoge game, but people who don't understand the nuances of it still can enjoy it. They still yeah, have fun. So, mm -mm. I think I think DNF will fall in this category of, well, 
yeah, this guy did something I don't understand, but you know what? I actually did something cool. Uh, I'll play some other people. Like I don't, I don't think that it, it's gonna actually uh, affect it negatively. Um, I no, am no, a no. little, I am a little concerned though that uh, I hope that aiding doesn't uh, get scared, kind of like what happened with um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, mm-hmm. because that game came out and literally within like maybe the first two weeks everyone was finding tech everybody was like breaking stuff down and it was one of the wonderful most wonderful experiences for like a jojo's game since heritage for the future future um unfortunately the company got scared and they thought that the mechanics were being broken and they thought that people were going to have less fun with the game so they basically like they did a huge patch and homogenized the game, and then it became like super boring. And, like nobody. You, you're talking about the Cyber Connect uh, Two game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Like that game was okay. super fun, and they, you know, they did a patch that they thought was going to help it, but it actually took away a lot of the things that were fun. Basically, everybody felt like I, I you know, this is a bad word in fighting games, but you know, I hope it's okay if I, if I can say it. But like, they all felt like functions with different 3D models over them, uh, like <laughs> after the patch. And they were all the same function, so mm. it got it got really boring. So I mean, I hope that DNF doesn't uh, fall into that category because it, it actually it feels like DNF is like a very direct, like serendipitous answer to Project L. Like it's like Arxis's version of of Project L. Like it feels yeah. like there's like a there's like a tug what, of what, what is uh, Project L? Project oh, L that's is a the League of Legends fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a oh, League of Legends right, okay. fighting game, mm-hmm. um, okay. which also looks beautiful okay, in its cool. own right and shares a it, similar yeah. uh, design. If, if there approach. isn't someone that worked at Arxis working on that game, I'll eat my hat. That's how it looks like an Arxis game. That's a whole other podcast we could do that. I don't think, but yeah, James is right to say that it's a direct answer. It's not just a direct answer, it's the logical evolution of fighting games, I think. Uh, Because you know about how people really think that fighting games are not for them because they are too execution heavy and things like that. Nevertheless, Mm -hmm. and and also also just simply, uh, fighting games are not the, the, the mainstream genre that they were in the 90s. Like in the 90s, if you wanted to play some games in the arcades, you will... Half of them were probably, you know, fighting games. So you had to learn easily, a little yeah. bit. But right now, if you look at games that are a la mode, I would say, uh, all of them have a block button, for example. I'm not talking about fighting games, but I don't know, you're playing Dark Souls or Sekiro or Elden Ring coming. You know, they are, they are um, hard games, if you think about it. They are very hard games. They are even harder that's some fighting games it's even harder to win for me yeah. in Sekiro than in a fighting game but the thing yeah. is the, the button the way they organize buttons is simple it, it's super simple it's like okay you've got a light button a light attack button an heavy attack button you have your spells on a single button plus a direction and uh, and if you want to block just press the button and so right now in fighting games we are seeing more and more uh, block buttons in games that are uh, made towards a public, an audience that is not playing fighting games, that is playing action games. And uh, when you think about it, like 10 years ago, the only game, the only 2D game that had a block button was Mortal Kombat. You know, like 
it's it doesn't exist in other games yeah, and maybe Soul Calibur and Soul Calibur maybe but Soul Calibur has 3D uh, um, right, movement yeah. so you're, you're uh, forced to Virtua do Fighter Virtua Fighter has a block yeah. button right? yeah, but, has a block button as well yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, outside of 3D games there was no block button in 2D games you know and suddenly Ground Blue has one um, I think I'm pretty sure uh, League of Project L will have one and I'm pretty sure and uh, and uh, DNF as one too and that okay. says a lot that says a lot because uh since we, we haven't talked about the buttons but there's a light button uh, and uh, light and medium button then there's the skill button and you put a direction and it, it does um, a special move uh like if you play if you press uh, the the button with no direction it does like a it acts like a strong button like you can do light medium skill and that will basically do light medium strong you know, okay. and after that, you can do a direction, uh, and it will do a special, like a, I don't know, like, project like style. If, yeah, a bit like Smash Brothers, but without you know the the tilt and things like that, and uh, the analog thing. And after that, you have a final button, and this final button is uh, using matter, and it's uh, sometimes an expansion of the normal um, special uh, normal special move. But most of the times, they are completely different uh, moves. Like, they, they have the same purpose, but it's not the same animation with just, you know, a flash or more. It's, it's, very some, it's something very different. And uh, I think there's a last button outside of the, the, the guard, and it's the button that allows you to do your super move, like the, 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 mm -hmm. H, the SDM or super or anything you want, like Shinku Adoken. That's a button. Basically. Oh, so it's one button. You don't have to it, do like a super. It is. It is. Yeah. So, you, have to, you, have to, you have to kind of hold it down a little bit for for the PS4 yeah. players. For me, for example, it was like L2. So there's like a little bit of an activation okay. time before it like occurs. But yeah, it's, it's useful. Yeah. And, and that's something that's very smart because if you think about it, like you take Mortal Kombat, uh, the game switched to pad uh, to be focused on pad players a long time ago, like in in Mortal Kombat X, I think. And when you wanted to do the the super you will press the two uh, bottom triggers, like L2 and R2 on a PlayStation uh, pad. And that will trigger the, the Super. And it's very, you know, you have to, to, to crisp all your strength to trigger the wall things. And that's something that, is, that works very well. It gives you feeling, a, a good feeling. But mm. uh, so I suppose that's, that's the reason why the Super Move is on a single button. So you see, we I think fighting games that are made for larger audience uh, or an audience that play action games will all evolve into something like this. And if okay. there is no, if there is no, there's no um, uh, timeout. And there's no, uh, you know, in uh, in Ground Blue, when you use the shortcut, you can do the moves with the shortcut or with the, the special motions. Which, when you do with the special motions, you have a better version of the move and you have uh, less uh, recovery time for the move. Like, for example, you, you can't spam uh, DPs, Dragon Punches, in uh, Ground Blue because uh, there's a timer that says, no, you can't. You already use it. And there's no such thing in DNF. That was one of the things that was very frightening to me because sometimes I just want to just Dragon Dance like an idiot. And um, <laughs> aren't we all... We, we all want that, you know, you want to taunt your opponent and things like that. And DNF doesn't have those kind of limitations, but 
retains this kind of more action game layout of buttons and uh, mm. and combos. So that's uh, that's very easy to learn. There's no there's there's literally no skill required to play the game at the low level and even at the execution level. execution skill execution level yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay so right. this is the thing that Wait, i hold on hold on hold on, hold on. I, I i just want to hold that thought i want to hear from adam i want to hear adam's uh, first impressions of the game before we get too far okay okay cool i'm done basically in terms of what it is i was playing i was playing for about maybe about five-ish hours yesterday maybe five six hours yeah it was oh, wow. a lot of fun i had a, yeah I had, I had a really good time uh, one of the most interesting things that i found was how versatile different characters were in terms of their actual like move sets so for example like each character had very very different feels naturally this is something which we would come to expect from any fighting game but i think more so more so than uh, normal in this game for example the uh, inquisitor for example that uh, <laughs> that sean just posted i played that character for a little bit at the start just to try them out they felt very very interesting in terms of some of their motions like some of their moves they had that really cool like burning wheel of fire which they utilized quite a lot that was a lot of fun just to get that out and mm -hmm. throw that out and to have to sort of like lock someone down and then set up another move or they have a really cool like grab animation that they've got where they swing their sort of like a, a dual handed like axe around and then things burst into flames that was really cool but one of the most interesting things that i actually wanted to just get into here was um not only just like gameplay wise was it a lot of fun for example i played oh well, actually i could talk about that very briefly uh, I, I played the character called the ranger so i, I like uh i like zona mm -hmm. characters in fighting games quite a lot i'm, I'm the, someone who the, likes to the, uh, dante with from Devil the dante. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah yeah exactly well, he's, he's also he's also a uh, vash from trigon <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Oh. He, he, he does have he does have a red he does have a red color that I use quite a lot, and it looks exactly like that. So well, well spotted there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's very very cool. But so this is a character who is somebody who can shoot from a very very far distance away. So he has dual wielding pistols, and he's able to sort of like you know lock you down from full screen. But also it has a few things up close which aren't too bad either. For example, he has some flipping motions and moves that are really really mm. useful in terms of like covering space, but also like the quite good for applying pressure too so for example he can do like a a large sort of like front flip at you or away from you while shooting guns so it can be quite cool to sort of like you know jump over somebody create space or to sort of lock them down in that aspect as well he has a move called the uh it's called the g14 buster now this is one of my favorite moves he has it basically in air you press the S button and he throws a grenade and sort of hops backwards a little bit whilst in air. So it's a very sort of, it's, it's good for, it's quite cool for sort of like baiting out uh, an aerial sort of uh, attack. But at the same time as well, you have to be careful because you can get grappled. You can get uh, grabbed by it out of the, out of one of the grapplers moves, which, which is what my friend did to me a lot because he has this move where he can sort of jump in the air, grab you, slam you down. But yeah, basically he throws a grenade. So he throws that grenade and that grenade explodes within the next, I think maybe two to three seconds perhaps. But a lot of times people forget about it and they forget about what it is that, you know, happens when you throw a grenade behind somebody. So if you if you throw that grenade and then you start, you know, shooting, shooting at somebody and then they've forgotten what's going on, it can explode behind them and you can go into combos off that explosion. So what do I mean by oh. this? I posted a couple of videos even just recently. Yeah, yeah, you like, posted a, a combo, yeah. I, Twitter, I did yeah. indeed. Yeah, I, I, post, I posted a few different things. Basically, you can you can extend combos just by utilizing that grenade. I'm going to post in some of my videos here, just so, just so you guys can watch. But yeah, 
I had some moments where I was able to sort of like further extend what it is that I wanted to do, or even like close rounds out with the actual grenade explosion, just by virtue of like having someone fall on it or like near it. So like, it's really interesting to just think about the ways in which you can utilize uh, projectiles in this game. It's it's a game which I think is it's got a lot of really interesting combo options, but not only just that, like they expand upon each other in a way that feels uh, almost emergent in its gameplay. Not not only does it you know work in terms of the the typical fighting game you know setups which we which we are you know used to and which we normalize. For example, the utilization of something which we call Oki, which is basically you know attacking somebody whilst they're sort of like on the ground, sort of like preempting that. And then like as they're, as, they're, as they're sort of like getting up, they're being sort of pressured or hit by, by an attack which you're, you know, sending out at a specific time or you've preset to send out at a specific time. But yeah, it's a, it's quite amazing just the fact, just, just to know that you can, uh, in essence, like get away with so many cool and inventive like new things. For example, one of the cool things which I was able to do, and this is just me sort of like theory crafting it in my mind, um, so using that G14 like buster attack with the grenade, you can throw a grenade behind somebody and then it'll explode and it'll push the opponent upwards. But like Dante, as, as, uh, as Sean mentioned earlier, he has this move where he sort of spins in the air and shoots guns down. And he, I think it's called I think it's called bullet rain or something like he says bullet rain, but I forget the name of the move. But he spins above the player, above the enemy and shoots downwards at them, sort of like in a spinning sort of whirling tornado bullets from, from above type of thing. So that keeps the opponent locked down in a very specific way. And, and that consumes mana whilst using that. So you have to use that in a very specific context. You can throw a grenade behind somebody, jump over them. As the grenade explodes, you can sandwich them between the explosion and the bullets from above. I actually did this to my friend earlier. And just like the fact that you're able to sort of like express and show that creativity level and just sort of, like, you know, mix things up in quite a literal way. It is very, it's very uh, fulfilling. It's, it's what uh, Thomas and James were saying earlier. There's a lot of really nice... Uh, areas in which you can express characters and which you can express your own uh, your own playstyle through the character and it feels very uh, feels very nice to do so one of the last things which i wanted to mention as well very quickly the uh, sound design and the audio are amazing i really 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 enjoyed all of the different various sound effects some of the music the waiting room music the lobby music it sounds like uh, one of my best friends was just saying it sounds like atelier riser 2 music which is also great uh it's got a very very nice feel to it very cozy feel in the lobby it's really good but so even the even the versus um soundtrack well you know when the uh, two characters in, in all fighting games they have this when it's like character versus character and they've got a sort of versus screen if it's guilty gear they'll have a you know they'll have a, a, a Sol versus kai you know a street fighter ryu versus ken but when, when you pick the characters which you picked they'll have a sort of small screen before you have to go into the match whilst everything loads up the music for that like in this game is amazing like i really really enjoy it it's got a really nice feel to it it's got this awesome it's got it's got a lot of really nice riffs and like licks a, a really awesome guitar playing but on top of all of that too the actual um the hit effects and the sound effects and stuff for example on the introduction for the striker when she's hitting the bag, it sounds like what it sounds like a real bag that she's hitting. It sounds like you know, it sounds like it's got some weight behind it. Like I've hit lots of different bags throughout my life, throughout my mm. tenure training. Like it's got all of the different like chain link sounds, like the sort of like the 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 sort of the the ruffle of like the leather against like the actual you know like interior of the actual like, bag itself. Like even just for example, like the the shift in the shift in weight. For example, when she's actually like, throwing moves, like you can hear the sort of like the sort of movements of her like shoes on the ground. You can hear her like you know 
you're doing the slight, you know, the, the, the hoofs of breathing. You can hear, even for example, on the heaviness of the contact, it feels like it's got an extra weight behind it. So I, I really enjoy that, the fact that you can actually hear, you know, just like what it is that that actually sounds like and the fact that they've sort of, they've gone over and stylized that again, which is really, really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, that, that, those are my sort right. of like first impressions. Really fun okay. game, really good character um, expression, really, really nice audio, beautiful soundtrack beautiful songs and also just to sort of cap this off just some very nice practical uh so sorry, sorry, very nice seemingly impractical um effects so for example in terms of the um in terms of the different like auras that which, which characters would have around them in terms of the different like embers in the background just so many different effects which you're looking at absolutely amazing i think a lot of the tech artists should have a, a big round of applause because some of the most interesting attacks i've seen thus far from this game have come from characters which you know throw out a lot of like projectiles like the ranger or for example the crusaders you know ability to sort of like pray and like get these giant god rays of light coming down doing massive amounts of damage or you know encircling the body to create a, an aura which to have armor around them yeah really really cool stuff so yeah good, good impression so far it's a game that awesome. dares to to go all the way, you know, and that's something mm -hmm. you you don't see a lot. Well, that's something that's coming back into fighting games. But from I will say 2015 to 2020, we had boring games, like super boring <laughs> games, where yeah. where people oh, like God. like if you take if you take a game like Dragon mm -hmm. Ball Fighters, it's a super great game, you know, but it's boring. If in some aspect it's super boring because all characters they have almost the same moveset they play a little bit the same it's not different enough you know characters are not different mm -hmm. enough they don't have an, enough subsystems they don't have enough something that that makes them unique you know and what i really enjoyed with the beta is that the, the all the characters are very different when you take i think it's the mm -hmm. crusader that can raise a wall and trap you behind yeah. his yeah. hammer yeah. and a wall and when he has you know you talked about this god ray have you seen the, mm -hmm. some combos where the god race goes all <laughs> around all the, to the top of the of the stage and okay, so yeah. you can like spam like five times the god ray and each time the, the okay. opponent goes a bit higher in the in the in the stage and there's a lot of things like that and so it's it's super great so you could think like oh it's just you know my impression was that oh it's gonna be yeah another game that they don't dare to go too far because they're going to you know <sighs> frighten they think they're going to frighten mm. new players and people. You, uh, yeah and you look at this game you're like okay they don't care actually they, they make a, an accessible <laughs> fighting game but they're not, not going to they're not turning down craziness inside it and that's super super mm. great for this i really, Ooh, really i've got one thing to mention very quickly Absolutely. Well, one one other thing as well, like you actually can check out the uh, the the characters in their original sort of like dungeon fighter incarnations, and you can see the one to one nature of so many of their moves, like literally mm -hmm. taken like straight from like that and put into a fighting game context. And I think it's really interesting just to see the sort of like the translation there with regard to how it is that they can actually attack and like the areas of effect. Because naturally, when you're fighting, obviously in a on on a different uh, type of two D plane. On a, or a pseudo kind of like 3D plane, I suppose it's a it's a beam up after all. But well, when you're fighting on that on that type of a stage versus when you're fighting in a very specifically you know 2D left right fighting game, like it really does change quite a lot of things, especially with regard to the size of moves. That's one thing which I wanted to mention as well. Like a lot of They're the moves huge. are very 
very large. Like the Crusader yeah. has some of the largest hitboxes I've ever seen in a fighting game. I've played, <laughs> I fought against him numerous times, and like he would hit me from Hit like streams. way further, yeah, way further away than I thought was correct. Or even, for example, some of the effects, for example, some of the uh, hitboxes regarding those. Like I would think that I would be sort of in the clear because I would think, okay, I'm going to fall. I don't think that's going to reach me. But no, like he would hit me from like way further out than I would believe. Then I bounce off the wall, and then I then he hit me again. Then I bounce off the wall, yeah. and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I'm in a I'm in a little loop here. Like just the, the fact that he has such a a large amount of range. But with respect to that though, with I played Ranger, you you can find ways around this. You can find ways where you can sort of like slide under some of his attacks with the with the slide the ranger has you can you can stop from getting started with regard to some of his startup on his moves because you can shoot him with the pistol quite far away quite quickly so like, there are ways around things but like yeah there are characters like that who have a lot of uh, a lot of things which i'd say are very uh, exploitable i will say very very uh, momentum based in terms of once he gets the... going he really gets going if you look at the original game, that spirit is very much there. Like, I, I yeah. feel like uh, watching the game, it's obviously a beat-em-up, but, like, it's a bunch of nonsense that the enemies clearly can't get away from, and you're just destroying them. <laughs> and I feel like they really did translate that that spirit into the... Into just watching the people play on the, the fighting game, I'm like, yeah, it, it feels very much the same as it does watching the, the, the side-scrolling nature of it, especially with the Crusader, with the giant hammer and the wings, mm. and, like, it really does feel like you can't really avoid anything. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's, it's that, a great spirit. We, we haven't... We didn't talk about it, but the game is one versus one, and uh, mm. there's no air dash, and there's no uh, air oh, guard, yeah. and there's no, like, double... Oh, jump, there's no air guard. There's no air guard, there's no air dash, yep. there's no double jump except for the Kunoichi, I think. There's and, no there's uh, no FD and I play Guilty Gear so much whenever I was trying to yeah. FD, I just oh, couldn't dude. do it and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I got FDs in my, uh, in my muscle memory. Yeah, th there's also no push block like in Marvel games or things like that. The only defensive thing you have is basically you have the, the guard button so it can protect you from cross-ups, I suppose. I haven't you tried it because there's no training mode but also when mm. you press the i think it's the guard button plus forward you do a roll like a, a big mm -hmm. big roll and a big very invincible invincible roll like the number of times i was i was like okay the, this guy is spamming like a huge projectiles like the berserker for example and the, the simple answer is just roll you roll through it oh. and you recover super fast and you can attack and most of the times you you are you are right to do it so i was very that's, surprised that's just like an action game that's that's yeah. what people would be used to from an action game like you were saying yeah mm -mm. yeah but it works it works very well because the, that just like J, um, adam said the size of some buttons is the, in these games are <laughs> that, that's some buttons very very good buttons you you see the it was the not the crusader with the the long uh, long range thing uh, and, the, the uh, vanguard the vanguard, the vanguard. Yeah. You, you you when the vanguard combos you the first time from the from full screen you're you're like the the simpson meme you know like chuckles i'm in danger and that's exactly this yeah. <laughs> and you have to roll and also it's not very stupid because you see there's a, a grappler too in this game which is named grappler mm -hmm. and i was like yep. oh my god how does this character is going to work in a game like this and basically the grappler can grab the swords yeah like, <laughs> your full screen you do the, the the grab command and it's simple since it's just a button plus a direction 
<laughs> you, you you catch the guy full screen <laughs> you throw him yep. on the ground so that's uh you know that's the kind of nonsense i want to to to, to see in my fighting games and not uh you know not the, the grappler being shitty because oh my god grapplers are uh, you know uh, not fun to play against like i really really mm. like this yeah mm. i also, I also I, I... was uh, terrible i i mostly played the kunoichi on my side because she had uh, more air movement and uh, I spammed like um, uh, kunais because she has three kunais from mm. um, uh, from the ground and the air and I I was so terrible with because I know that some players you know they they don't know how to answer to zoning like this and yeah. most of them didn't know that they could roll and it was like a douchebag throwing <laughs> <Yeah>. kunais <laughs> all from from full screen and when they find the roll at the end i'm waiting for them <laughs> and i dp their face <laughs> nice. that was so fun to be a to be yeah. like a a noob uh, you know when you when you are disrespectful like this then the games allows you <laughs> to be disrespectful that was so fun it's very special when uh, people haven't figured out a fighting game yet, right? Mm. It's, it's it's really fun to get in on the ground like this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That, and that's one of the coolest things about this, honestly. It's it's the fact that like so much of this is so new to so many people. Like I, I had heard of D I had heard of um of Dungeon Fighter prior to like all of this. I had heard of it. But like it's just really, really interesting to think about and see this in in fighting game form now, especially like I yeah. said with, with the advent of so many things becoming so popular now with regards to fighting games and stuff. And also, one of the things, well, which I, which I just wanted to mention too, um, recently I sort of like sort of uh, found out just by by watching. Uh, there's a really good video out there about Darkstalkers because of course I talk about Darkstalkers a little bit. But um, <laughs> there's a really good there's a really good breakdown. Someone called Thorgy's Arcade just did like a, a month and a bit ago, and like within that video, they spoke about the fact that a lot of the time when playing games like online or when thinking about online games and online in terms of fighting games, a lot of the time, most of the time, when people buy a fighting game they don't actually play it online they just play it yeah. locally at home they just play oh, it yeah. with friends that's where the that's yeah that's where the majority of like fighting game sales like come from they come from like casual like fans and players who just want just that experience they just want to play at home just you know no ranked matches no training for you know locals nothing like that they just want to play at home so like i really think that especially with a game like this sort of like tailored and suited towards people who are so you know new to these games but also able to be you know enjoyed by people who are more experienced and by people who are you know much more seasoned in terms of that experience with fighting games i think that again like aiding and axis have got another hit on the hands i think honestly because i mean with regard to how it looks it looks great sounds great it's very easily accessible and i think a lot of people will be very very surprised at how much they'll, they'll get to enjoy this game because it felt like it was um it, it felt like it was really really sort of like beginner friendly I, I saw a lot of people who were very clearly sort of you know beginners at the game i was playing them a bunch of times i scored a, a pko on somebody who was um seemingly quite like new but also i played some other people who were very very good really really well-seasoned players who were really really 
just doing absolutely mad things in terms of their execution skills. So just seeing those two types of person, both in there, seemingly mm-hmm. having fun. I even got to watch one person who I played against numerous times, who was again very new. And like I was watching them actively sort of like start to get better. They were starting to block some of my moves a bit more. They were starting to try and like introduce dashing into their gameplay. They were starting to actually sort of like even try hitting me as I got up off the ground. I was like, oh, that's it. They're learning about what Oki is. Like they're trying to actively, you know, improve when they're trying to sort of copy what I'm doing a little bit. Like so like it was good to sort of watch that evolution even in a you know very sort of a snapshot very sort of uh encapsulated format just to see and you know mm-hmm. realize that people can actively learn whilst they're playing i think that's going to be a, a great strength for the game because it's not yeah. overly complex but there are lots of abilities where the skill where the skill ceiling is so high that like you can you know go and do whatever you want but it's good to see that people are actively you know interested in that learning aspect i think it's very important mm-hmm. Can yeah, I, I think can we. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the one thing I was gonna say was that DNF is a it's an interesting experiment in creating a middle ground for two mm-hmm. important vantage points. Right. You know, you have people that are like myself that are seasoned fighting game players and. You know, there are things that sometimes we take for granted that we just know, you know, like, you know, we look at it like breathing. It's very simple. And then you have a more casual uh, player base and you're and they're able to create a game that allows both people to be themselves uh, without seemingly any sort of repercussion for uh, either. And I think that if this is something that can continue, I think that it can be uh, that gateway for somebody to understand fighting games. I mean, Adam pointed out a lot of things that I'm really glad to hear was that, you know, seeing a casual player sort of evolve in front of you, uh, DNF allows people, I think, to understand on like a fundamental level, like what happens in a fighting game without knowing the terms, without understanding that, just feeling it intuitively uh, with slightly simpler inputs, uh, I think it allows them to say, okay, well, I have a better understanding of, okay, this huge projectile takes up this much space. I've been able to do it five to six times. It feels a little more natural to me because like, I see what it does in its function. Um, Mm. So they're able to process that information a little bit differently then let's say there's somebody who has a problem doing half circle backs or circle forwards or whatever, it it sort of allows them to say, okay, well, I can at least understand how this move works because it's a lot easier for me to do. And they can create the beginnings of a play style that makes sense mm-hmm. based on, I mean, we're even talking about the fact that the characters' names are literally functions. Yeah, even that aspect makes it easier for a player to understand what is it that I'm supposed to do with yeah. this character. So I think that DNF represents a lot of things that because somebody could play this game and then really get a grasp on what fighting games are like and then say, hey, you know what? I want to play this other game that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have simple inputs, but has maybe the aesthetic that I like, or maybe I see a mechanic or a function that I like in that game. So, okay, well, 
you know, I want to try that. Now it might be a little bit harder for them to, you know, transition, but I think DNF is a game that can potentially create the confidence in a person that says, okay, well, I'll at least give this other game a shot. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're not going to go play blaze blue, like right after they play uh, <laughs> DNF, but they might play grand blue, you know, they might play something in the spectrum or realm that says, okay, well, I could navigate in this way that maybe if I want to, I can go play other fighting games. And then maybe that could be a whole other catalyst for them to get into other fighting games. So I think if games like DNF exist, uh, I think that they are a gateway for people to kind of get introduced to the diversity of fighting games. Cause I don't, mm. I don't mm. want it to be, cause at first, you know, I'll admit personally, like when I hear about fighting games with simple inputs in it, it usually distresses me because I'm just like, you guys are attacking the integrity of what a fighting game is on a competitive level. Cause there's sometimes like certain moves have motions for reasons, right? But I think yeah, yeah. if on a design level you can think about that and have heavy consideration for it, I think that there is a middle ground where a game that has simple inputs doesn't allow a character to be uh, so imbalanced that it affects the game on like a negative level. Like I think it de- depends on how you approach the overall balance of a roster, uh, keeping simple inputs in mind. And to this day, I still think Grand Blue versus is probably the my favorite example although dnf mm-hmm. does show me that there are yeah, other ways DNF, to approach yeah it. i think mm-hmm. dnf is better because ground blue is a ground blue is a super boring game to be honest like you well, you you start playing it and uh one hour later you you basically discovered that uh you were going to do this combo and that's all you're going to do <laughs> and uh, and that's super boring no no that's, think, that's a boring think... game and they're, and they're like no you can't dp two times in the last in two <laughs> seconds because uh, i'm your mom and i'm telling you that you can't you know i'm like i mean like this is it's not a phase like... mom it's not a phase i want <laughs> to dp all the time well this is yeah. the thing right no, no, the, well, once i say real quick this is why this is good though because like someone will think the exact reversible of what you just said about this which is why it's so good that there's so many of these games right now so right. it's like people mm. will absolutely be able to hop in and out of like dnf they might want to go over to grand blue they might want to go over to dbfc they might want to just stick on street fighter 5 they might want to get into strive they might want to go all the way back and go into third strike they draw me they're all sorts of things right now but it's like mm-hmm. this is why it's important like this is why we need these kinds of games and i this is me talking now but like i think that we need these kinds of games to be able to show people just like the wealth of like experiences available it's like ice cream flavors like you get to pick and choose so many mm-hmm. different things that you would like you get to experience so many different kinds of you know other games and get to give them a try no one's saying that like each of these have to be like the quintessential like fighting game experience i think that sometimes when we speak about fighting games we kind of get thrown into a bit of a trap when we have to try and like define them sort of like that way for example i've heard people a lot of the time say oh, this is like how a fighting game kind of like should be. But it's like, mm. I personally see it as like, we what we're speaking about, they aren't just like functions. They're, 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 they're experiences and they're, they're methods through which we experience those experiences. They're, they're, they're yeah. delivery systems in a sense, more so than more so than, than a pile of, you know, functions together. It's what you do with the Lego, not the Lego itself. So I, I feel very personally about this when, when we when we speak about, you know, these, these areas of creative expression, because it's like, for us, for us sitting where it is that we sit like not everybody is like like us like not everyone's been able to play these games for such a vast period of time but i think right now at least 
it, it, there's never been like a, a better time or an easy time even to get into some of these games and to get into fighting games. I, I think that, especially with regards to how it is that we can, like I said before, we can share so much information about them with the advent with the advent of a rollback netcode, it makes things so much easier to play online generally. But like I said before, for the people that won't be doing that, who are the majority of these sales or of all of the fighting game sales anyway, like I think that this is a game which breaches the um, the the divide. For, for example, speaking about what we talked about with respect to uh, competitive, you know, input like utilization and like the skill ceiling and execution regarding that, and also you know the 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 sort of the casual player who doesn't really you know know quite how to like DP properly or doesn't know how to how to how to uh, space a and time a, a well time grab and stuff like that. Like I think that this is a game which is very specifically trying to bridge that gap, and we're seeing more games in that sort of like specific flavor. We're seeing more games specifically try and bridge that gap and i think that that's sort of a it's a, it's a direction where we're headed next i feel in terms of mm. you know the, the the growth of fighting games and the and the uh, the advent of uh, the change regarding them and i think that it's an exciting time i can understand the frustration what, what you meant about like about grand blue and stuff because like yeah there are some things about that which i personally like would like change but yeah I think that it, it's a good thing to have those differences and those setups because, like I said, that'll be someone else's treasure. It might be your trash, but someone else is going to love it. So, yeah, I, I think the, the more the merrier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I was really trying to, like, hone in on is that, like, you could have somebody that says Third Strike is the best fighting game ever, and their experience or perception of a fighting game will tell them that, and they're not wrong. And then you could have somebody that feels like Street Fighter 2 is the best fighting game mm. ever. And they, they're not wrong either. And you can have somebody that say the same thing about DNF because yep. of their own specific experiences. It's just like if DNF is like someone's first fighting game. Um, it's a good first fighting game to pick, honestly. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like their their impression of like how Oki works or how zoning or spacing works, whether they know those terms or not, they're going to be a huge stamp on their submitted thought or perception of what a fighting game is on like a foundational level. Um, DNF does have two one fours and two three six motions in them, uh, mm-hmm. so they won't be foreign to them. They may be something that they you know maybe they struggle with a little bit, but then maybe at some point they maybe they they you know pass that hurdle. So the idea is that what other fighting games have. I mean, it may be more complex to them, but it's still something where they say, okay, maybe if I spend a little bit more time playing this, if that's my choice, then I can learn how to maneuver and navigate these other games. Uh, you know, my, my whole thing about DNF is I, I, I have a lot of high hopes for it. Um, I, I, I think that it's definitely uh, a good thing for fighting games. I think that uh, if we have more things like this um, that are approached in this way where it's not necessarily heavy handed either way in terms of attacking one side. It's more just, you know, if you're a casual, you can have fun with this game. If you're a competitive, you can have fun with this game. I think that if fighting games can maintain that, uh, especially like newer ones that are choosing to go in this direction, um, I think that those games will be fine. I think that, and I think as long as uh, developers are also very careful as to how they explain uh, <laughs> their approach to design, um, I think that also plays a key part because 
you know, I mean, Tokido said this a long time ago, fighting games are great, uh, regardless of you know what they are. Kusoge, zone, you know, neutral-based footsie zoning. Uh, if they're Street Fighter 2, Third Strike, you know, Street Fighter 5, whatever they are, like, they're all great in their own right, regardless of whether you like them or not. Um, and I think that DNF is a good way to introduce that world to people. And I hope that more people uh, get exposure to it and get a chance to play it. There's something I wanted to talk to. It's not, we, there's a lot to say again about, you know, meter management and things like that. But I wanted to ask, um, to, to notice, to, to make a, a notice on something. You know how in those past years, um, well, in the last 10 years, anime has become very prominent in, uh, you know, U, uh, U.S. culture and uh, in the world in general. And uh, sure. there's been there's been a lot, you know, of uh, what what's called uh, this genre of anime is called is um, isekai anime, you know, where uh, someone oh, yeah. is uh, <laughs> yeah. is lo- uh, someone from our world is launched into uh, basically a, a medieval or fantastic medieval setting like an mmo or even a game sometimes mm-hmm. and what i really i think dnf is coming really at the right time because it really has this aesthetic of you know the it looks like basically it's it's from an mmo you know uh, but mm-hmm. the the original game doesn't have the pure anime aesthetics in gameplay you know and when you look at this game with the arc system works tech you're like okay that's basically an anime that looks like an MMO and uh, it's 100% uh, trending right now for years. And so that's really, really, really a good time to pull this game out, to be honest. I want want to expand on that because I I think even aesthetically, like before you're talking about gameplay, right? It appeals to like veterans of fighting games and also people like into, you know, just getting their feet wet. I think aesthetically you could say the same thing because I... Mm. I, I'm not really into like the Izakai aesthetic or like a lot of like uh, newer anime. Uh, it's you know it's just different audience, right? But um, this game has a more old school look to it yep. in some ways. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not mm-hmm. a nostalgia thing. It's not a nostalgia thing. It's so much as like um, I just like really straightforwardly cool looking characters. The character designs. Yeah. Um, well, and like so I, I feel like they could. I just. I. Oh, uh, good. No, no, go, 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 go. Oh, sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I just think the characters are appealing in, in a broader way. You don't necessarily have to be into, like, Izakai or new anime. Like, they're just cool mm. archetypes. I mean, they're literally yeah. character classes. Um, and I, I would say specifically the difference I, I get from this versus, like, newer stuff is um, they're not so... Uh, I don't know. They're not like super fashionable looking. I feel like a lot of stuff like by younger artists, they start mm. bringing like contemporary fashion into it. Yeah. And this game, it's just pure fantasy. I feel like, okay, it's like just in another yeah. world. Everyone's like iconic looking. They don't look like any particular people or any contemporary fashions. It's very generalized, but still like really distinct. And I, yeah. I, that to me, that's really appealing. The Crusader looks like to, a peak Crusader. Yeah. Richard, yeah, I wanted to ask yeah. you about this is sort of a tangent, but what you were talking about really reminded me of this conversation I had with a friend recently. We were talking about the nostalgic divide between older and newer anime, and he brought up mm-hmm. a concept that a bunch of people um, reinforced. And I wonder if it's something here in the style, which is someone, he mentioned the Naruto divide or the Naruto pivot, which is apparently like 
a lot of anime fans see like Naruto as kind of the line in the sand where the nostalgia between newer anime and older anime seems to like be very clear. Um, and I, I don't know. I've, I wonder if there's, there's something there where like to your point, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I see in, in this also that, that harken back to like what hits my nostalgia anime buttons, but not from the, the newer styles. Um, so. Okay. Or can uh, I? Wait, wait, wait. Let me. Yeah, go, go. Let, go, let go. me just. Sorry, sorry. I've, I've been working. I just thought of this theory today. If you, if you, if you can grant me a five-minute tangent here. Okay. Let's go. You, are okay. In, you were indulged. Okay, okay. Tangents. Okay. 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 Which okay, theory so, time? Um, Let's go. So okay. So first, I'm riffing off of this is something someone else, uh, uh, other uh, uh, sociologists have pointed out. Really, let's say uh, throughout the world, you have like you know Chinatowns, little Italy's these ethnic neighborhoods in different countries, right? When someone moves away from their home country and then establishes a new community overseas, uh, that new community is locked in that point in time that they left, right? Oh, so, yeah. so, so like Thailand uh, has a very old Chinatown, so it's, it's very old school, right? Uh, whereas um, let's say like Canada, uh, you know, is locked maybe in like the, the 50s or the 60s, right? Like slightly more uh, recent uh, immigrants uh, and so forth. Um, you know, like uh, they, they say uh, like San Francisco Chinatown has its own particular texture or the Japan town feels like 80s Japan. It's kind of like locked in there. Right. Um, and I think that's sort of true of um, aesthetics, too. So like uh, when, when you look at uh, probably, well, and it's generational, of course, but I would imagine, um, so DNF is actually based on a game from uh, early to mid 2000s, I think yeah. 2005 at the latest. And so that means the people making that game would have uh, grown up in the 90s, right? They would have uh, sharpened their knives on 90s anime and manga and video games. So they're locked in time uh, to a period that I also have a lot of affinity for. Um, and so in a weird way, uh, because the game's been so persistently popular for the last, uh, you know, like 10, 15 years, um, it, it's a throwback <laughs> to an era that I really like, uh, but, <laughs> but still, you know, attuned to modern sensibilities too. Of course, it's a contemporary yeah, course, yeah. Uh, fighter. Yeah. But what what's funny is that, for example, I'm I'm currently watching a match where the, I play the Kunoichi, you know, and most of the time I don't go into you know ninja characters, especially fem female ninja characters, because most of the time they are super lame characters, like very sexualized characters with uh, with just no twist, like you know they 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 wear uh, fishnets on their tights and things like that, and you're like, okay, cool, you have like. I don't know, like uh, three kunais on your side and uh, fishnets, and uh, and you're like, okay, that's that's super boring. That's a b super boring trend. And I like what I like in the DNF. It's like basically, it's a crossover between Deadlit, Deadlit from you know um, Lodos and a ninja. Yeah. And and I was like, yeah. okay, I'm yeah, sold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's a dark elf. So true, yeah. With a with a with a nice haircut and uh, doing flames all like uh, instead of doing like the, of course there's a TP there's a, a teleport there's kunai's things like that but the character is like okay I'm going to do a massive fire uh, windstorm in your face and I'm going to to mix you inside that and I'm like okay that's and and the character is like an adult 
right? Yeah. Like all mm. characters are adults, you know, with yeah. muscles and they oh, are yeah, tall right. and they are beefy and, and like, okay, C compare this to, I don't know, uh, like uh, would, would, would you Would you say perhaps a, yeah. like, a, like, a, like, a, like a beefy Kunoichi of sorts? I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I haven't played, I, I, you know, I, I look at this game and I feel like I haven't played an anime game with adult characters for a long time. Yeah, like a new, a new, a new yeah, anime true. game. game for sure. Like that with, with yeah. characters that look like adults, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that mm -hmm. that's cool. That's actually super cool. And uh, well, well, all characters are a bit like that. Well, what you're, what you're talking about, about kind of like how this makes it more approachable is it's also... I think um, when you normally see a, a game like um, Grand Blue, whatever, there's this kind of feeling that you're seeing these characters that you may not be familiar with, and they have a lot of history or uh, kind of uh, a lot of like backstory and stuff that you're missing because you didn't partake mm -hmm. of the original source material. And I think that happens to a lot of people with Guilty Gear as well, with like how convoluted yeah. the backstory is. I think what's really nice about this is like the fact that like even though it is based on a current franchise. The character classes are just very understandable, and they don't feel like like they feel like they have rich backstory and quite obviously reasons for this because of the name, like Dungeons and Dragons characters do. But they mm. don't feel like characters that have a story or something that you can't immediately like pick up on, right? Like in terms mm -hmm. of like they have like a enough of a texture to feel like like adult, like they have a a place in the world, like that they're real. But not it's not too cartoonish or too anime-ish or too mm. esoteric in a way that makes you feel like you're out of the loop. I think that's what like immediately makes it much more interesting. Like if like normally I'm I'm kind of like especially with like Grand Blue, I'm kind of like I just don't know any of the characters. Like I don't know what they mean. Like they kind of look the same. To your point, <laughs> Thomas, like mm. they don't they don't telegraph as much what their character feels like. Uh, I think that's something we talked about in the past about other games that certain really good fighting games are very good at telegraphing how their character plays just by the way they look. And I feel like mm -hmm. that's something that I'm seeing a lot here. Like I, I immediately haven't even touched it, but I immediately know which characters I'm going to enjoy playing um, because I understand their archetype and I understand how they're probably going to play. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think it's not something to be discounted. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's also something I really, really enjoy about this game is that you, how to say it, the you know maybe you've seen the the crusader we talked about it so it's a giant priest with uh, giant boots and giant hammer and giant cape i look at it and i was mm -hmm. like okay that that's basically the world of warcraft characters for fine enough <laughs> that that has a, a kind of yeah. blizzard aesthetics you know and i was like whoa that's the super surprising coming from this game because it feels very blizzard like and i was not expecting that in this game uh, but it actually, actually works let me go on a tangent a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so, and I, I I feel like Richmond probably is already thinking this in his mind. So you're saying it's like Blizzard-like, but I'll tell you what it's actually like, Warhammer. Because yeah. Blizzard mm, is yes. very inspired yeah. by Warhammer. <laughs> and you look at it and it's like, it's like the most default oh, yeah. Crusader character ever made. And yet mm -hmm. it feels, doesn't feel generic. I actually feel the same way about the Inquisitor as well. Like they, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they have this very like Crusades aesthetic. But like the to your point, the largeness, the hammer, the gold, the blockiness, um, the like the over the top stuff, like it's so Warhammer, like um, mm. but but it's but Warhammer was was 
always kind of popularized differently and their um their religious imagery was always used in a very twisted way um because like like oh, obviously yeah. like warhammer's got its own story around yep. what the crusaders and crosses and things mean it's not based in christianity but i feel like um that combo aesthetic like that large bulky crusader with like ep like tons of crosses very large weapons um, like I, I don't remember as much about Warhammer, maybe Richard, you know, but I seem to remember that like, uh, some of the, the ones that are effectively crusaders, they have like, there's, so, they're so big and bulky. They have like four hearts or something like their anatomy is super weird because it actually explains why they're such bulky football player. Oh, the, 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 the space Marines. Yeah. They, space they, Marines, they have yeah. multiple hearts. They can eat rocks. <laughs> like they, they, yeah. It's <laughs> way over the top. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, I think that, it... you know, the, the, the warmer yeah. still is dark and gritty. And I think, like, the, the Blizzard aesthetic is basically warmer but shiny, you know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> and... no, you're totally right. WoW especially has a much more playful uh, yeah. style. And it, sim it it stylizes a lot of things that, like, really removes a lot of the, the grit and uh, mm -mm. <laughs> tone of Warhammer. You'll see the Warhammer tone more in StarCraft, but to your point, it's, yeah. it's definitely was on... Like, like Warcraft to Starcraft to World of Warcraft was like the journey of Blizzard in terms of evolving a lot of things they loved into much more accessible versions of, you know, that are a little bit less gritty or much mm -hmm. less gritty. No, Absolutely. Quick, this quick is one thing which I wanted to mention. I was just going to say the, the evolution of the Blizzard aesthetic. Um, they were obviously really into Warhammer, but they are also really into SNK and Capcom fighting games. If you look at the uh, early art books from uh, Samwise, was one of their lead uh, character artists. Mm -hmm. I think he talked about like uh, like Samurai Showdown was one of his favorite games, and like you know he made some comment in one of the books like you you had to play this game to work at Blizzard. Like everyone was into it, you know. So they brought uh, that that arcadey aesthetic into it. You can actually see it in the artistic style of Heroes of the Storm because uh, Samwise is also the art director. For that and in terms of the style that unifies all of the characters together that makes them feel blizzardy it's actually uh very similar to how riot has been building their aesthetic as well so to richmond's point like there's a lot of influence from previous games but you can trace a lot of it back to like singular art directors that just really loved it and were very good at imbuing like their own spin on the style while still um evolving their own yeah, I have I have two things to say really quickly as well. One thing which uh, Sean sort of like slightly touched upon earlier was was uh, the relationship with the religion that this game seems to have. I think it's really really interesting the fact that like so many of these characters have like very vocal and like outspoken thoughts and opinions on religion, their thoughts on it, but all, not only just that, the ways in which it's also kind of like shaped their lives and like, existences in world. So for example, one of the characters, the Slayer. <clears throat> That was a uh, no, sorry, sorry. The, the class is the Slayer, but the character is a Berserker. Sorry, but yeah, like the the Berserker class character, he is a, a Slayer who's accepted the maddening effect of the Kazon Syndrome in exchange for greater power. So basically, it's like a the, the Syndrome is kind of like a, it's kind of like a symbiote type thing, and it like kind of takes over the body in a sense. But one of the things about this guy is the fact that he very specifically states to you after he beats you in a fight, he says that like, oh. I think, it's, I think it's when you're playing an Inquisitor or when you're playing a Crusader, because I, I watched it happen, but he says, like, oh, well, like, you believe, like, in, in a god? 
oh, I don't believe in anything but myself and my power type of a thing. And like, I think it's really interesting that obviously it's a little bit corny, but like, it's also kind of cool. It's like, they very specifically, you know, like they have these ties to how it is that they perceive the world. And naturally with, you know, in a world where crusaders and inquisitors exist, they, you know, they they exist to crusade, you know, they they very specifically have the, the lines of thoughts and like feelings and opinions about the world and, a framework through which they see it and experience it and having someone such as a berserker here go so you know directly uh, in line or sort of out of line with that and in, in opposition to that it's, it's something which is really interesting and i found out earlier as well just because i saw i'm not sure how true this is but apparently the game isn't available in germany due to some yeah really some um yeah, yeah, religious... yeah, due to some references with regards to, with regards to religion, and I'm not sure exactly what specifically brought about that. Uh, what brought about that? That uh, it's, that, that it's ban, because but, Germany yeah. has a has a very specific way of classifying games, and if your games present some um, some uh, religious imagery, you have to let it know to the regulators so they can you know put an um, uh, an age recommendation that is uh, that is appropriate. But specifically mm, in mm. Germany, like in France, we don't have this problem. So that's yeah, the uh, now, I what, what I found I really interesting. Go on. I was just gonna say, uh, I was. I think I posted in the chat earlier that like it's it's probably uh, outside of them not explicitly saying it. Like the Crusader and Inquisitor like imagery is very like referential of the Crusades, but yeah. it's also got like some real yeah. spite, like some things that are kind of spicy. Like the Inquisitor's super like burns you at the stake. Like to to Sam's point, it's tapping into some <laughs> some history yeah. and imagery that even if like there isn't an intention to like actually reference Christianity, like the the, the the wounds are there, right? Like, and yeah. you have to be very careful. <laughs> right. And I, I, right. I really think that the intention behind it is not as uh, malicious, but it doesn't change the fact that like it's a really gratuitous example of those kind of things. Yeah. Sorry, Richmond, go ahead. Oh, I just want to say, um, just Adam, that's a really interesting point you bring up. Like, normally you don't bring up religion when you talk about fighting games, right? But um, I I think this game, again, it reflects the South Korean uh, uh, perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Because South Korea is unique in that. um, So uh, their their religious breakdown, um, their... Uh, so I think they're like mostly non-religious, like like most Asian countries. But then it's it's almost even between. So, so like half the people are not religious, and then the other half are uh, pretty evenly split between Buddhism, Catholicism, and Protestantism. And then somewhere in there is also their native uh, beliefs, which a lot of people might sprinkle in. Uh, so it's really interesting because South Korea, uh, super interesting history. Um, historically, they've been pretty oppressed they're, they've been beholden to all the uh, different world powers um so yeah they they of course had their own native religions um and then as more chinese uh, influence took hold uh, they became buddhist historically uh and then after uh you know after the uh, especially after the korean war and america kind of uh, got in there uh, more or less colonized them uh like christianity really mm-hmm. took root and it's the only east asian country with a really really strong uh, christian pre- presence which is probably why it's so overt that you have like an inquisitor <laughs> and, and crusader class in this game mm-hmm. yeah absolutely that's one thing which i wanted to mention too actually just the fact that like oh another thing as well just, just briefly but before the thomas has to leave but just, just just before this real quick i think it's really cool the fact that they have um 
uh, they've got very specific uh, male and female classifications for characters. Like, it's kind of interesting to see them take this approach. I haven't seen this in a game for like, quite a little bit, but it's like, yeah, like I, I'm not sure why specifically because I'm not really into DFO like too much. I think that might be like a character specific thing depending on what it is you want to you know pick. But then typically for me in a lot of games, when you pick a character and you and you express like their their gender and stuff, like you normally just get to be any class that you want anyway. So it's kind of interesting to see how specific this is and like what it is that that must like mean, what it is that, what it is that, that says about like the in universe of the game and stuff. I'm not sure. I don't really know. But I just thought that was something else to note because I mean, they very clearly and like specifically have like multiple different you know classes and stuff. But they have like M and F next to them. So for example, you can have like a male slayer and a female slayer, or a male fighter and a female fighter, and these give you very different sets of um very different sets of of uh what do you call them of other classes and stuff so for example like you do have like the same kinds of like nan master but they look very specifically different and like even though they can play quite like similarly like it's a it's a look and like what it is that they're kind of like symbolizing like signifying and stuff like it's it's very very interesting to see them do this so i wonder where that's gonna go i wonder how that's gonna be because there's a whole other system in this uh, game with regards to how it is that you can change your form and you can advance for example so you can become not only just a regular sort of like grapple you have like these awakening forms of sorts so you've got like a first awakening like a normal version of yourself then you've got like a like a second awakening as you start to have like a dark aura off yourself and after that you have the neo awakening which is like a really cool almost like edgy kind of looking version of your character so i think it's really really interesting to think about where it is and that's going to evolve and how it is it's going to change because they've literally just released uh, another version of uh of of a of a character here i think it was a it was a ghost uh, a ghost slayer or something like that i think i forget the exact word the exact name i'll have a look in a second but yeah they've just the the white hair guy the other character yes exactly okay yeah i was wondering yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. he, he, that, that character is, is another version of another. Yeah, uh, I was okay. to 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 go with your with your flow. Uh, I really enjoy mm-hmm. the fact that, especially after, uh, especially at this time, like the the after KOF uh, fifteen, we talked about it. We know in impression on the beta, the the fact that the char- the character design are based around their functions. Like uh, I'm a I'm a crusader I'm a Kunoichi, I'm a berserker things like that. They are not, and I'm talking for the female characters. What we have now is not very sexualized characters, and it's not gross. You know, uh, not not unlike KOF and uh, the SNK games right now. The game doesn't feel gross when you look at it, even if they have quite some camera angles that could be you know, that are very unnecessary. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that feels good to play a game that feels a bit more... That doesn't, you know, mix its objectives. Like, I'm I'm not playing this game to be, you know... Um, it's like uh, a fan service gacha game type thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't... Uh, yeah, and I don't like this in Ground Blue. Ground Blue feels way too much fan servicey and gacha style to me. And this mm. game feels more, yeah, more mature and maybe more... I don't know, focused, maybe like more okay, respectful. I want to, yeah, not more respectful, more focused, just more focused. Okay. You know, like the 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 goal the goal is is to represent a class, and uh, yes. if the class has no interest and no reason to be sexualized, for example, I'm not going to sexualize it, and that's a mm-hmm. good thing to do. 
you know that's how it should work basically because uh, it follow forms follow functions i would say in this case and that's mm. very very great absolutely so i'm gonna have to leave you guys sorry about this all right but uh it's it's late in france right now hey, hey. yeah yeah Cheers. Um, yeah, and I Thanks have the, 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 the second season of uh, The Witcher to, to watch. <laughs> She's super fun, so it's time, yes. to, it's time to go. It's all good. It's for me to go. Uh, tell the people where they can find yeah. you, man. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Tomasaurus, so T-H-O-M-A-S-O-R-U-S. And uh, I, I tweet in French and English and uh, fighting games and development stuff and uh, things like that. So, and of course, visit the artiter.com website because uh, that's a great website, right? And you're, you're the webmaster. You're the reason yeah, it's no, back online. Uh, yeah, but I'm not doing a lot of work on this. On it, so. <laughs> oh, no, you already <laughs> did. You, you did the work already. To, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to take too much credit on this. Yeah. Okay, bye, guys. Have fun. All right, Peace. take care. Bye. Oh, man. I think, uh, should we wrap it up? It's, I think, we, I think so there's, there's one more. There's, I, yeah, there is one more thing which I did want to mention. But like, does anyone else have any final sure. thoughts or points? I mean, I kind of mentioned just, them mostly already. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I just well, thought it was funny that I was thing. like, "Oh, oh we'll just we'll just do a quick one." You know, it'll just be a quick. Yeah, one. I, I know, right? <laughs> it like, just became a whole. Episode. <laughs> we had a lot to say. I I feel like I keep talking about it too, but I'm kind of interested to see how the game evolves. I feel like half of it is me wanting to talk about the source material. And how they're mm. translating mm. it, because um, I think it's yeah, um, yeah. I, I think unlike well, let's hear it. Uh, yeah. Well, well, it's, uh, not to go too deep into, but it, it feels unlike other games where, where, um, it, for instance, like when we talk about like Grand Blue, Dragon Ball, um, you know, Fist of the North Star. I feel like to some degree those are already animes, right? Like the, they, they have an anime style to them already. So seeing them realized in a fighter is more like playing a show of it. And I, when I look yeah. at um, uh, Dungeon Fighter, what I see is them really taking a uh, a much more nostalgic older style, like a, this um, Korean kind of outlook on Dungeons and Dragons that have been moved into a, you know, a, a beat-em-up format that still feels very stylish. Um, but it was never really that, that anime looking, um, at least when I look back at it, um, and seeing it like realized in this way coming from that source material, I, I feel like it, it scratches a lot of interesting itches. Like, like I said, it does scratch this idea of having these different, uh, classes. It makes them more accessible by a, like kind of telegraphing what they do. Like there's a class called a, you know, grappler. Right. And then like they're they're understandable, but they're not too generic. Like they have a lot of personality to them. But as we were kind of talking about, they feel more mature. They don't feel too over the top or stylish. They don't feel like they're chasing any trends like this. So there's something like almost very classic that is being executed yeah. here. And I, yeah. I'm really kind of in, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This, this is kind of interesting as well because, like, when we speak about specific types of classes and, and character classes and stuff, we 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 often sort of uh, we have a very cookie cutter version of them like in our minds, and like that isn't always like a bad thing. Sometimes playing towards that can be very useful, especially if you do it well, as they have here. But they've added their own like stylistic flair and twist to them, which is always nice to see. But like, 
I don't know. It is kind of nice to see like a, a sort of a sort of a, a basic, if you will, sort of like example of a of a concept. Again, I've I've not seen a, a, a Ranger yeah. that looks like this in a while, or a striker that looks like that in a while. They're 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 not basic in in a, in a bad way, but they're very specific, is what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, they're very yeah. iconic. Yeah, the yeah. One thing I was gonna say, yeah, the one thing I was going to say is like collectively, right? And you look at the visuals of the game, the soundtrack, sound design, the the gameplay, the gameplay, um, all of these things together, it just comes off as very pure, if I can mm. use that word. There's something that. Like, obviously, a lot of research goes into the development of a game like this, but there's something about it that just feels like it's not trying to chase anything. It doesn't come off mm. that way. It just comes off as, like, this is what the character is. This is what they do. This is how we've designed the game. We want you to have fun. Like, and it's kind of good to know that games can, st especially fighting games, that fighting games can still be made in a way where, yeah, they probably put a lot of work into why they made the characters the way they are uh, inside and out, but then for the presentation to still feel sincere and genuine is actually really refreshing. Um, <laughs> and I, I enjoy that thoroughly. Um, if anything, I hope that it's a trend that continues. Because, um, I mean, you know, Richmond stated earlier about the whole Naruto uh sort of mm. effect and i mean that's probably the most eloquent way that could have been put because that, oh, that definitely that, that was sean that was at me oh, that was, oh okay that was sean okay <laughs> uh that was so eloquently put because i mean this game definitely feels like it 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 tugs at a, at a particular heartstring uh collectively like especially in terms of its visual presence um that it's just like man this just feels right you know um and I enjoy that thoroughly. So, um, I, again, I want to real quick mention while you were talking that I think AJ, it was AJ maybe that mentioned that one of the characters reminded him a lot of like a record of Lodos War character. And I, yes. as I've been watching this, I was like, man, that's that's the 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 combination of itches and scratching is this feels not like it's from that game, but it feels like Record of Lodos War to me. Like it feels like that era of anime is what it feels They're like. That quintessential I, I aesthetic and feeling. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That, yeah, that, that's I mean, one of the most interesting things well it, i think that comes down to like a, a specific kind of like a shape language that each of the characters sort of like have regarding like their actual designs for example just watching like the range is like gameplay the way that he shoots he's always making like shapes with his body in terms of like you know leaning back and pointing forward his, his hat is very angular his hair is very angular he he's a very specific kind of guy that sort of like leans backwards and like he wants to kind of like look cool and showboat instead of like actually sort yeah. of being you know serious and more focused type of thing like that it's a very cool way of like you know utilizing that that, that kind of almost almost very um almost very it, it's not like it's not immature but like it, it's a kind of rule of cool type type of design, but it works very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, this is what you said. This is what we used to draw, right? Like when, when we yeah. were like, when oh, we yeah. were be like, oh, I want to draw yeah. like a cool guy with like a with like a hat and like a glowing eye and a scar on his face, and like he leans back and shoots and spins in the air like Dante, and he goes woohoo when he fights and stuff. Like it's just <laughs> it's very cool to yeah. think about, right? And we all we all think that's yeah. oh, it's very it's very sick, like. Yeah. It's a game that's yeah. not afraid to be itself. Yeah. What, what's in, interesting in the most, is... In the most peak way. Oh, go on. Yeah. 
I just feel in being itself, it's actually more theoretically to me more accessible than a lot of other games because fighting games have become increasingly niche over the years and they've sort of developed their own like very specialized like uh, language like for gameplay for you know uh, characters Mm -hmm. uh like uh, and and i feel like this harkens back to the 90s where like someone could just walk in on this game they have no idea what it is maybe they don't even play video games but they have like some idea of what each character is like right away and like you know, so there's gonna it's gonna be intuitive. Like the 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 way they play is gonna match the way they look, but we, we, mm-hmm. which we've you know discussed extensively here. But I I just think that's actually uh, really cool. Like that takes a lot of skill to pull off. You know, Absolutely. well, I, I it's refreshing to see. To, to kind of build on what you're saying, Richmond, like this is such a basic thing, but like when I look at like the lineup, at least that I'm aware of, like to your point, it's uh, I feel like we were talking about something where like uh, sometimes games just need to seem fun. And I, I to your point, when I look at like a lot of fighting games that come out, like it it kind of implies a lot of um, like knowledge that's required. Like if I look at like when Strive came out, like, it was like, OK, you have to know who these characters are, which one. But I look at this list and I see like Hitman, Crusader. Kunuichi, Vanguard, Dragon Knight, Ranger, Striker, Grappler, Inquisitor, Berserker. I'm like, it just sounds like a game I want to play. It just sounds like yeah. fun. It just sounds like a fun cast of classes. And like you immediately see yourself in all of them very quickly. And you and even though they're based on archetypes and characters that exist in a franchise, to your point, they're not they don't feel niche at all. They just feel um like you don't maybe know exactly how they're gonna play, but mm. you get like generic and also way. I gotta say also I think yeah. we were talking about how yeah, beautiful yeah. the game is. So far, oh, yeah. every character that I've looked kind of lines up with what I expected with a little bit of a twist. Like, mm. um, example would be the the Hitman that, like, looks a lot like Dante. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, Hitman. I was like, this guy's going to probably have, like, a bit, a bit of, like, arrogant restraint style. He's going to have a gun. And maybe he's going to, you know, he's going to have something else that makes him more like an honorable, like, he doesn't just, like, come behind you. And then, like, he walks out and he's got, like, a sword and a gun. And he kind of looks away from you, and I'm like, "Yep, pretty much nailed it." Like, and you can go through each one of the characters, and it it, it kind of works. Like, I feel like the the classes are really uh, they they really like hit every expectation I would have, but they're not like generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. We we, we can wrap up in a sec, but I just want to make one last point. Then, um, recently at least, uh, Richmond and I on Twitter, we had a short discussion about uh, about South Korea as a as a cultural mm-hmm. uh, superpower. And I just wanted to sort of just get into this very briefly just to wrap this up. I think it's really interesting just to think about the way in which, you know, like over the past two decades, we've seen this rise and explosion and boom in terms of South Korea's exports in terms of their, their media. And it's not to say that obviously, you know, these things didn't just start 20 years ago. These things have been, you know, ruminating and they've been germinating for vast periods of time as any country's media uh, exports uh, do. And in terms of that, I just think it's really interesting to see how with the advent of, you know, K-pop's absolute meteoric rise. We're talking about a South Korean game right now, as I'm sure everyone will have heard who's available on the internet. They will have heard of what Squid Game is and they will have, you know, been able oh, to yeah. hear about it in some capacity. I just think it's it's really interesting, right? Like, for example, we, we're seeing and have been hearing so much about this one specific spot. And I just want to get everyone's opinion just on that. Well, what, what is it mm-hmm. that you think that this is? 
why do you think it's do you do you think it's uh do you think it's born out of anything specific do you find it to be particularly interesting because i do i think it's a really i think it's a really interesting sort of uh, appreciation that people from this place have for other areas of the world and it's the uh, the unification of ideals both foreign and in their terms like domestic and the 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 the, the uh, fruits of that labor coming to fruition the the idea that you know for example k-pop being what it is it wouldn't be what it is without a lot of like black american musicians for example some people may not know this i spoke uh, with richmond about this just recently but uh, there are numerous articles that you can find but just in general you'll if you will have heard of k-pop you'll have heard of bts you might have heard of exo there are another group that, are very, that were very popular are very popular yeah it's really really interesting to think about and see and hear how just you know these these different stylistic influences areas of like intonation and like just the general um, you know the the cross pollination if you will of uh, of mm-hmm. experiences and of, of cultural um critiques and also in terms of the actual working together with different groups for example like i said a lot of artists and directors writers designers stylists producers in the k-pop industry they're all inspired by black culture like in the u.s but on top of that they're also you know they've they've worked with people who are very very high in those circles in terms of music in terms of media specifically for example if anyone knows who i'm talking about you could i could mention someone like teddy riley for example a massive u.s producer who's been known for writing a lot of different tracks of both his own and other people's, but also has worked with, you know, um, Girls' Generation, who's worked with EXO, worked with Super Junior, worked with a lot of different people. Another woman, Rodney Bell, she's worked with EXO on one of my favorite songs called Monster. She's written tracks for Shiny, another massive group. Like, it's, it's really interesting to think about the ways in which these uh, different people in different areas, you know, they, uh, they cross over. So we're seeing this already happen in another area, which is fighting games. You know, K, uh, K-pop is a musical sort of like export regarding this. And that's already, like I said, it's been a massive uh, explosion and boomerang the world but yeah what, what what's uh what, what, what's your guys thoughts on this oh um i i have a lot of thoughts you, do you want to go first sean or i'm I, I, i'm still processing what i what i'm I, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I think why don't you go first yeah okay i'll, I'll jump right it. into it uh okay uh so um so right, right off the bat one thing i thought that was really cool about this game was that um it's in Korean, right? All, 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 all the dialogue, all the barks—they're in Korean, which um, I don't think I've ever seen for a mainstream game before. And I, I just thought that was really cool that they had the confidence to actually just do it in their native language rather than defaulting to English or, or you know, to Japanese, because you know it's the the developers based in Japan, and you know people are used to watching anime um, in in Japanese. Even yeah, you look at something like uh, Genshin Impact—it's a Chinese game. It's a, a, a bit you know, uh, when you look at the how people play it in in uh, the Western world, it's probably largely in English. And then probably a lot of people erroneously think it's a Japanese game and play it in that language, but actually it's a Chinese game. And in fact, if you play it in Chinese, uh, if you can understand Chinese, it's a much richer game because that's the language of the developers. It's got depth in Chinese that is missing in English. So I... So for this, um, I think it's really cool that they, they had that confidence to be able to just do the game in Korean. But uh, um, And I, I think that reflects uh, like just a big sea change in the world where um, I think you're, you're, you're seeing now all over the world, people are getting more used to watching media from all over. Uh, or So I, I think this is also largely um, 
that has actually been the global experience probably for, for the last several decades for most of the world. And actually, I feel like it's North America that's finally catching up uh, because, yes. you know, if, if, if you look at the last like 50, well, really the last like 100 years of media, um, North America has been very dominant and people just sort of, you know, take it for granted. Like, oh, yeah, of course, North American media is is the global media. Uh, but, you know, now you have people in North America suddenly they have access to Netflix you know, they, they, they had access to BitTorrent, YouTube, all this stuff. They're seeing stuff from all over. Um, and they're doing, uh, you know, uh, what, what was it? The, the director of, uh, of, Parasite? of Parasite. Yeah. He said, once you get yeah, over the, bon uh, yeah, yeah. Bon yeah. Like uh, you get over the two inch barrier of subtitles, the whole world opens yeah. up to you. And well, so I feel um, like actually it's people in America that are finally open to that. And I think that opens up other people. To, to this, yeah. I was just going to mention gotcha. that I, I did allude to that happening uh, earlier on uh, within the game industry around how a lot of it's Western based, like even to the point mm -hmm. where um, there's really like not a lot of triple A titles that come out of other countries uh, as much. Yeah, at least. like now obviously that's happening now, but like you see a lot of uh, big. Uh, honestly, I think like for instance, uh, games like The Witcher with CD Projekt Red um, was like one of the the advents of people seeing that like great media like at least in the game industry isn't just coming from american developers obviously seeing it like um i forget the name of the studio but the one that's working on the monkey king game coming out of china it being hailed as kind of like the first triple a title to come out of china even though tons of <laughs> chinese developers and artists work on triple a titles but um yeah i was also going to add that like i um i saw an interview with the, the director of arcane uh the league of legends show and they were talking about that Underneath it all, like what Netflix has actually done for media in the world is they said that one of the most impactful things about Netflix is even though they do have region lock content, the way that they distribute their media is they're one of the only platforms that doesn't delay. They uh, sometimes they'll actually launch ahead of time in other countries. They're actually very internationally conscious of their media. Yep. And I think like when we use examples like Squid Game, um, it, it's, it's an example of showing how like. Netflix really doesn't have that that Western slant in terms of the way they think about content. And it is visible also in one of the reasons that eventually Arcane ended up on Netflix and not a bunch of other things that Riot wanted is that the ability for them to deliver an, like an international um, release that didn't favor other countries over others. And in fact, like we, you know, we talked on the side, a lot of the, the show was developed in France. The, the point being, though, is that like what Netflix has inadvertently done for international media is, uh, I think, under-celebrated. But it has a lot to do with kind of this shifting opinion that people are starting to recognize that um, that the the media landscape probably hasn't and or doesn't anymore revolve around uh, North America. And it's it's super healthy, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I just want to add to what what AJ was saying before about about influences, right? Like like obviously, um, you know, K-pop and really like all genres of pop music owe a lot to like Black American music, right? So I, I think um, as far as influences go, I think that obviously like people should be open about what influenced them, and and I think as long as you are open, it, it, that prevents it from being appropriation, right? It, it becomes more of like influence and you know, just an earnest expression of what you like. Um, so I, I, I don't know that much about K-pop, but I would imagine like the, you know, 
a, a good respectable band would be pretty open about like these are our musical influences right uh, from yeah and and i think they're yeah like like you said uh, you, you can find out like what producers worked on what songs and what country they're from um, and then uh, looping it back to to, to dnf um I think it's really cool that it's pretty clear that it's it's very anime influenced, right? It's it's a very confidently Korean game. It's in Korean, but they're not denying the anime influences either, right? Like it's uh, you know it's it's a very anime looking game while also being like a very Korean game, um, and I actually think that's really healthy because uh, uh, th this is something else that happens to like when when you're not from one of the major traditional pop culture countries there's sort of this chip on your shoulder to be to prove yourself and to be like a hundred percent original and like i i yeah i feel like no one is like everyone builds off of um stuff that came before them and like uh, i feel like that's an extra weight that a lot of people um maybe carry more than they should is like oh well i i can't only be influenced by the stuff i like i have to be a hundred percent original um and I don't know. I, I, that that that's just uh, you know, that's an extra burden that like if you are from America or Japan that you wouldn't carry, right? So, I, I kind of like that this game like doesn't shrug. It, it embraces the anime influence while also being you know like a proudly Korean like uh, franchise. So I, I think well, it comfortably uh, weighs those influences. It, it wears real, those. Real quick, yeah. I wanted to add real something that you were mentioning, Richmond, that made reminded me, and actually goes back to my own kind of history in games. So um, you're talking about how how it feels very Korean, and there's also something about the style that is anime, but it doesn't. It's hard to put my finger on it, but it also doesn't feel like Japanese, uh, like anime. There's like an element. There's a softness to it that's Korean, and it, it like it like smashed me like nostalgia, like just like a. a, a nostalgia punch in the face back to like when i was first getting into like online games like i would say probably like i don't know this is going to be like high school like 2000 2004 around there i remember stumbling on ragnarok online and i remember being yeah, like God, holy yes. shit what a good looking game how does it look so good in the game like and i i never like i played a little bit of it but like and i had to like hack my computer to like properly run the the executable and whatever, but that there's something about there's something that I remember having access to all these Western games and I was just getting into other ones, but it's just like having that, the difference where I was like looking at that. And at the time, I don't think I recognized that it had much to do with the style, but I like, like I said, the, when I look at the, the exact way that it's drawn and the references, it, it has the exact same dichotomy to me of like me looking at Ragnarok online and being like, why does this look so good? Why does it feel so like confident but soft? Like, why does it? Why do the colors work so well together? Um, anyway, I just wanted to, to to mention that that like I to My, point, I think absolutely. the style is is um, it's not new. Absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah. something to be said about the animation timing, uh, color direction, and you know, color choice basically for everything in this game that definitely feels like a uh, Korean production more so than something that you would see from like a Japanese studio. Uh, you know, from the way the characters are designed to how they move, all of these are very indicative of uh, a Korean influence. Uh, in terms of Korea's presence, I guess uh, globally at this point, um, I really feel like it was just an inevitability. Uh, I mean, 
there have always been people that have been into Korean culture. It's just that I think with the, uh, I guess, further advancement in terms of like K-pop, uh, it just has become so prominent here in the States. And then Korean media in general has just been on a very slow but sure burn uh, to finally make its impact in the States. And I think that, uh, you know, the fact that BTS, you know, visited the UN and gave a speech and performed for the UN and, you know, acted as envoys for the president of like South Korea. It's like, I mean, these are all things that were in the making. It's just that DNF was kind of just a happenstance that was within the collective of Korean media sort of uh, having more of a presence here in the States. And I think that uh, the fact that this game's reception has been so strong, uh, even in this beta form, the game's not even out yet. Uh, it's just indicative of like, you know, just the further implementation of, of more Korean media and people really enjoying it on a larger level than I ever thought I would live to see. Because uh, I mean, yeah. we all had those friends back in college that were like specifically into K-pop. They did not like anime or anything, but they were into K-pop and Korean media. And then it's like now Squid Game is a thing that everybody knows about. Uh, people are going back and watching Old Boy and like I Saw the Devil and like, you know, people are getting exposed to a lot of these things that maybe we've seen like years ago, but now it's becoming more of a, you know, a commonplace. So um, if anything, I see all this as an inevitability and, uh, you know, if anything, I hope it continues. Uh, there's a lot of talent in Korea, especially in animation, that I hope uh, gets even more exposure than the, you know, global sort of projects that are happening, like The Witcher and things like that. Like I, I hope that this continues to be a trend so people can really get to know more about uh, a lot of the talent that has been working with the states for a long time, but, you know, has basically been working for more of a Western voice, but now we're getting to see their voice more in a lot of media. So it's a really good thing. Yeah. Adam, absolutely. why don't you, I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've, well, I've just got a couple of things just to mention here just randomly, but uh, yeah, there's a game out. Well, it's not out, but it's in development. It's called project BBQ. And it is, it is in essence, a, a 3d dungeon fighter online. So it's utilizing the same like characters just rendered like beautifully in 3d. And it's going to be, uh, a, I think, uh, another MMO like RPG game. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. So just in case anyone didn't, doesn't know about it, if anyone would like to check it out, definitely check it out. It's called project BBQ. It's going to be really, really cool. Okay. And it's just, it, it's like what I'm saying here. It's like this, it's this expansion. It's this growth of these games from this place. that I think is just so amazing. Cause like Sean was saying, it's been a very popular series for such a long time, like the most popular, which I found out very recently myself too. And yeah, I think it's just, um, it's the fact that when so many people don't know about something that's been the case for other people outside of where they're from, I feel like it might have, might be quite like a shock at first, but it's like, it, it's that extension of the hand. It's that, you know, inviting people to the party kind of a thing. Like you want to get as many people interested, interested as you can, not only just to profit the most, obviously, but just because you want to share that cool experience, you want to share that you want to share that that mindset, that worldview, that thought process with other people in terms of the things that we create. So I think that we're in a really cool space for this at the moment. And another thing as well, there was a really cool manhwa called A Sweet Home, which I really, really got interested in a couple, a few years oh, ago, yeah. now three years ago. And that became really popular after that started. And that eventually got its own Netflix show, which was good as well. And we do, we're just seeing this process of, you know, these really high tier, high level 
bits of creative media coming out of South Korea at the moment. And I think it's really, really interesting in terms of, like we've just been talking about the growth there. I think there's something else which we didn't really get to mention, but like in South Korea, they've been very heavily invested in like innovation. And that's a big part of why it is there. E- economic power has been able to develop so relatively like quickly, I suppose, in terms of that with respect to other places and stuff. But they've had a lot of like systemic reform backed by like, a lot of strong investment that has brought forth a lot of really good results like in terms of a long lasting you know media appeal widespread appeal in terms of you know things like uh, media exports like i said like k-pop and other video games like they've been really important so i think um whatever it is that has been that focus that plan this wider overarching goal i think in terms of being able to sort of merge influences from other places with a very specific sort of like korean view and korean focus i think it's going to be it's going to be a winning strategy i think because this uh this snowball isn't it's not melting anytime soon you know it's going to keep on rolling and getting larger i don't think that everyone's just gonna turn off k-pop tomorrow i don't think dnf's not going to be popular i don't think that you know squid game type shows or anything else like that is just going to fall off the face of the planet tomorrow no these are things that have uh, a cultural uh, staying power that i believe isn't just you know it's it's not transparent it's it's not something that is uh weak i think it's something that is relatable to so many people especially with regard to a uh, class critique as well this has been something which has always been at the heart of popular media i feel but especially in terms of things recently with regards to a parasite a squid game people you know in economic strife going through hardship that's a very relatable story to many different people no matter who or where you are and i think that um with regards to the analysis of that through media or through you know fiction i think that there seems to be a very powerful uh, narrative that is spinning out of korea with regards to that specific uh, story genre or type or archetype i think that we'll continue to see this occur in time and i think that you know as it's been borne out prior we'll see it become massively popular again i mean squid game didn't just do numbers for no reason right it's like it'll continue yeah. to be the, the the power that it is just one last thing that i wanted to mention before i do like kind of wrap up wrap up but yeah I, i'm really really happy with the fact that we get so many different uh just areas and bits and pieces of media from this place as we do with any other like like i said with regards to sweet home being a a manhwa which is like a it's like a it's like a what's the best way to, what's the best way to put this really uh, <laughs> uh basically what what we'd call this it's a general term for a korean like comic or like print cartoon so it's basically what it is that we would call just a comic as, as a visual art form. It's what that is. It's a general Korean term for it. But yeah, it's really interesting to see that and see that uh, that explosion of that spin out again into a Netflix show and that Netflix show's popularity spin out into other things as well. And also as well online, one thing I must mention, I must, must mention, we can't speak about South Korea without speaking about stands and stand culture just very briefly. I think that it's really interesting just to see how sort of like powerful like we're going through another sort of wave of like the uh, a version of like fan or fan culture the the uh, the power that that brings for example when uh looking over the past like century in terms of popularity you'd see a lot of people into like the beatles but not just that like very specifically like segments of like young women and younger people like they would find a sort of an energy and a a passion for the music created by that group and obviously many many more but i'm using it as a very specific example like people like passing out at shows for example for michael jackson like there there are things where we see these um the these fans and stands become 
become sort of like an embodiment of what it is that like the uh, of, of what it is that the that the entertainer seek to produce. So what what do I mean when I say this? I think it's really really cool that we have such a we we're able to view this in in such an interesting way. We we can have people just going absolutely crazy bananas for absolutely anything now, and I think it's really nice that we get <laughs> to see this from a different country's perspective. We get to see different people in different places get to take on you know the uh, the the mantle, if you will, of of, of massive uh, pop star, massive pop gener- generational pop star. Because one of the biggest was a uh, Michael Jackson, as as I mentioned. But it's interesting to see that torch passed in a different way. But not only just in terms of that for BTS, but to a to a different country we're seeing the birth of a different uh, media powers rise basically that's what i'm saying i think it's really interesting to get to see that in different aspects from music film tv and of course games in dnf so yeah that, that's what i've got to say here now i can end it. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay oh man wow that went places i i can't believe I, I thought we were going to spend like 30 minutes <laughs> talking I about know, honestly, you know, crazy. <laughs> gameplay and netcode. And wow, we went into like religion and culture. And of course, that's what we're here for. Right? That's why I love exactly. uh, hanging out yeah, with you. That's yeah. what we do. See, I eat a cast, you know what I'm saying? It's what we do here. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We, uh, yeah. we let people eat the art. We serve it up hot and fresh. It's what we have to do. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. Um, so if you're listening, thank you. Thank you for making it to the end of this podcast here. Um, yeah, if you, if you want to keep following us, uh, you, the best place is to follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at Art Eater Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I'm your host, Richmond. You can follow me at Richmond underscore L-E-E, Richmond Lee. Um, I'm, I'm always online. You know, uh, yeah, send me a message. Uh, you know, let, let me know what you think about the podcast. Um, and if you want to catch up on uh, older recordings, just go to arteater.com. That's A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R.com. Uh, uh, got all the uh, previous uh, recordings on there. And uh, yeah, just really, really stoked to you know keep meeting up with my friends and just <laughs> hanging out every weekend <laughs> and then <laughs> releasing whatever the heck we talk about online. <laughs> it, it's such a pleasure to be able to do that. Um, yeah. So uh, everyone else, please let uh, uh, you know. Please let the folks listening know how to follow you and what wh- what you've been up to. Uh, Sean, why don't you go next? Oh, hey, I'm Sean. Um, I am a creative director. I lead the design teams at NZXT. So talk about PC gaming. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Daborsk. D A B O R S K. I've been doing uh, a lot of uh, mentoring on adplist.org. So if you want to talk to me about design and stuff, that's a good way to do it. Um, Otherwise, I have, uh, it's not going to be ready yet, but I have a first draft of my manuscript of my book, which will be coming out next year sometime. But that'll be coming soon if you want to follow me. Otherwise, I, uh, of course, uh, will be editing the podcast and continuing to talk about games and uh releasing uh our (laughs) recorded nonsense that is fun to listen to happy to have you here all right james why don't you let uh, the listeners know what you're up to all right well uh the best way to keep up to date with my shenanigans is basically to follow me on twitter uh my Twitter handle is Beefy Kunoichi. That is B E F Y underscore K U N O I C H I. I am a character designer, storyboard artist, illustrator, comic book artist. Uh, I 
basically talk about all the things that are a huge influence to me. I show a little bit of progress of projects that I'm allowed to show that I'm working on. And uh, within the past couple of days, you're probably going to see a lot of King of Fighters 15 combos. Some of them are done by myself. Some of them are done by others. But uh, basically been spreading the word about how wonderful that game is, as well as DNF Duel. Uh, but yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is B-W-E-F-Y underscore K-U-N-O-I-C-H-I. And I do retweet some cool things from time to time from some of my fellow friends here at RDR as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what's up, everybody? Like, <laughs> this was such a fun episode. Thanks for sticking by. This is a bit of a longer one, but yeah, I'm glad you guys managed to make it to the end, so... What's up, everybody? Uh, it's Adam. Pleased to be here once again. I'm a game and level designer, pixel artist, and also international tech order fighter. I go by AJ on Twitter. You can find me over there at, at AJ Mattis. That's at A-J-M-A-T-T-I-S. I love to share and retweet all kinds of cool art and creative projects that I see. As the guys will mention, they'll also like retweet my stuff. I retweet theirs. But yeah, like I love to share and all and keep on retweeting all kinds of stuff. So if you like, if you'd like for me to share anything, or if you want to just like hop in, just let me know. Uh, yeah, if anyone wants or needs any pixel art related work or anything else like that, I'm active at the moment, so do get in touch again. And yeah, if you liked anything that I said, drop me a follow so you can hear some more. Uh, take care, stay safe. See you all next time, and uh, happy, uh, happy DNF, and when it comes out next year. Right. Stay safe, everyone. Peace out, everybody. Yeah, take care. All right, take care. Bye. <laughs> take care.